It's showtime. Three hours of conversation, cussing, and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. Go off and running, finally, on this, the 8th day of March, 2023. The finally part doesn't apply to, like, having tried earlier today. It applies to the fact that there was no show yesterday. Ha, because Appalachian... I don't know. I, really, I don't know. We sat in darkness until late in the night. Uh, you, some of you may have seen the post I put up on social media. I try to get the word out as soon as I can, but clear blue skies, perfect day, and click. And it wasn't even one of those three-click affairs where it goes out and goes back and goes out and goes back and goes out and goes. Now I just went out, and 15 minutes later, I got a notice from Appalachian Power saying there may be a power outage in your area. You think? And that was something around 1.30 or so, yesterday afternoon. And as I had come home from running errands, I noticed that West Virginia American Water Company had half of my highway, US 60, torn up, and the other half was where you could drive, so it was one-lane road. And I drove by thinking, oh, that's not going to work out well. Later on, the word was that a tree had come down near the sub uh, near a substation, and I hate the way my mind works. Oh, hi, I'm Robin. I hate the way my mind works sometimes. I truly do because uh, here in the early years of the third decade of the 21st century, I think we've all been brainwormed so thoroughly that knowing what we know, because, you know, we are plugged in, we do follow current events, we follow the news, we know the trends in this country. I sat there thinking, gee, I wonder if it really was a tree, said she. Sorry, rhyming. Because now, in 2023, in the new 90 states of America, the greatest country in the history of the world on earth, now, today, forever, in the universe, under God, amen. It could also have been Nazis. 
It, it really? You know it and I know it. It's not like there was an ice storm. You know, I want it I want it to just be something anodyne like a damn tree. But wow. Um, well, thank you, Emilio. Thank you. Stop losing so much electricity, Robin. Sorry to hear about the shitty services. Well, they will, uh, and I get, you know, they did their best. I don't want to take it out on the individual workers for AEP. But good Lord, there is a better way to run a railroad or a power grid for that matter. Railroads. Microgrids. Distributed grids that pick up when this shit goes down. And it's not like the technology is beyond us. We have the technology. Cue the six million dollar man theme. And I think what pissed me off the most was that I was loaded for bear. I oh I had a stack. I had a oh I yeah, I was I was I was ready to go. And so maybe we'll get into some of what was on yesterday's stack today, but, you know, we've got a brand new stack today. So sorry about yesterday. And I have gotten things out of order here because every, every, every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. And so as a consequence of that, I have thank yous to say. Thank you to Marsha, and thank you, Nancy. Thank you to Susan for Earth. Thanks as well to Bernadette. Thank you so much, Bernadette. And thank you to James. Thank you, James. And well, thank you to David in Oregon, formerly of San Diego. Thank you all so very kindly. Um, we actually managed to meet catch challenge for Monday and we've got uh, we've got Ralph's challenge for today and a uh, fundraising goal of let me just double check here so that I don't say something yeah fundraising goal of $810 and lots of bills to pay because that you know that's the thing it wasn't two, three weeks ago that I sent Appalachian Power $1,000. They want another 1000 This is extortionate. It's, 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 it's unreal. And then this. Oh, we're terribly sorry. Come. Give me a... Never mind. All better. Going to be okay. I, it is prayer meeting Wednesday here. Uh, uh, at the Horn, and uh, it being International Women's Day, the little old blue-haired ladies um, took the day off and took the little old blue-haired men and the little old blue-haired non-binaries with them. So I thought we might take a moment just to uh, talk about that, International Women's Day. Uh, thank you, uh, by the way, to Flavio, who posted video from Spain of literally thousands and thousands of people marching in the streets in Madrid. 
in observance of International Women's Day. That was inspiring. Oh, program note, um, I will be, listen, I, I have to go to Charleston tomorrow. Um, one more raising of the voices. Because HB 2007, the bill that will ban medical care, life-saving care for young people in this state, uh, is in the Senate Judiciary Committee, and it might get voted out and head for the floor. So we're going to make a lot of noise. We're going to make a lot of noise tomorrow. And it's scheduled for two. I'm going to try to leave there uh, and be in the car headed home by four. Uh, maybe earlier. And hopefully, there, especially because of yesterday, hopefully there will be a Thorn in the Side Thursday program tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Help me cross yours, too. Cross your fingers, too. And, you know, if you're that way, cross yourself. I mean, I'd cross your heart. I'd, whatever. But I hope to be on the air tomorrow. Especially in light of the fact that, program note, um, I'm headed, like I said, to New Jersey. I'll be leaving here Friday the 24th. And I'm going to do some work on the ACE Act in D.C. on the way home. So that probably means um, from the 24th to like the 29th, no shows. So I apologize for that. But it's it's necessary work and it's good work. And it will be the first time I've been in D.C. as my authentic self. And that will, I think it, well, frankly, I think it makes me a better advocate. So those are the, those are the plans. And like I said, I really hope I'm back in time to be on the air tomorrow. I will make every effort of that. You have my word. But it being International Women's Day, I wanted to take a moment, just something I jotted down. Because part of the reason, at least the way I view it for this, is to is to look at the roles and the accomplishments of not just the women in our present and our hopes for the women in our future, but especially for the women in our past. And to take note that for probably a majority of the women on this planet, this is still a desperately hard planet to live on. We know by prior studies years ago that entire countries may be measured for their success or their failure and the, and the happiness of their people by one fact, one question. The happiest countries on earth are the women are, are the countries in which women have self-determination and the right to decide when and where and if to bear young. 
that means the happiness of women in the United States has been severely curtailed. As it is curtailed in places like Iran, where not wearing the headgear can get you killed. Don't worry, we're headed for that too. The status of women is horrifying in probably far more, a, a far higher percentage on this planet than women whose lives are full and complete and joyful. And that is the work of the future. And then, of course, there are the self-hating women, the marginal trailer queens of the world and the clanny Oakleys and the ginsurrectionist Thomas and the anthrax cultures. who instead of trying to lift their sisters up work hammer and tongs to drag them back into oppression, repression, misery and darkness ah, me, Robin Kincaid little ray of sunshine, right? but I got to jotting thinking about some of the women in my life in my past, in my history. These were their names. Just a few of the women who created and nurtured all the life that led to me. Margaret Faith Kincaid, Cheney Davis, Ida Rebecca Goad, Viola Luzetta Choate, Alice Daniel, Rebecca Roxana Potter, Ella Jane Ramsey, Sarah Elizabeth Gwynn, Jane Mag McClung, Polly Hyde, Elizabeth Dean, and far back in 16th century Germany, a woman known to her posterity only as Apollonia. These are the names I can remember offhand. These are the women, strong, determined, Christian to a fault, some educated, some un, some through centuries now, grandmothers to legions, fragile and fierce, died young, died ancient, makers of quilts, creators of warmth, churners of butter, workers of miracles, visitors to the sick, teachers, warriors against ignorance. Combatants of disease, mourners of young sons smashed in the mines, makers of jams, jellies, preserves, cakes, stringers of beans, salters of meat, smokers of pipes, colonizers, prayers of prayers prayed in dim lamplit rooms, settlers, fire builders in the early morning, water bearers, rememberers of days bygone, whisperers, of loving kindness amid nightmare sweats, givers of kisses, chaste and passionate, both barriers of babies, holders of shaking hands, comforters where no comfort was, setters of pones, witches, healers, hopers of a heaven where in an eternal rest they might finally abide. 
their memory is their eternity. Today, as so often on others, I remember them, wonder about them, try to conjure their voices, their presence in my own life, do them the honor they earned in every day they lived, lives freighted with little else but hard work seasoned with love and such joy as an Appalachian woman might find in a sunset, in a rocking chair, in a hymn, in a husband's smile, in a child's gaze, in a child's little voice saying only, Mama? So, that, my little tribute, um, let me see here, just a second. It seemed like it was called for. And so we, uh, we will move on. To the various and sundry other horrors of the day, weirdnesses, strangenesses, curiosities. Yeah, Flavio, you're not wrong. Going back to the power outage. Flavio says, uh, Nazi terrorism can't be ruled out. After all, there have been reports from east to west of terrorists targeting power plants and transformers. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And lo and behold, as I sat, you know, because we have a for shit power grid here. We've always got several um, battery backup charging things and whatnot um, so that we can remain in contact. And so lo and behold, sitting there in the darkness, uh, what did I see? Well, a story from Vice News. Son of a gun, thought they were gone. No, they're not. Uh, Vice, with the article, uh, The Boogaloo Boys are plotting a bloody comeback. We will go to war. You know, the Boogaloo Incel Tactical Command Headquarters Executive Staff these little fascists who dress up in Hawaiian shirts and mask their faces. It had been thought, Vice reports, that after a murder and the raising of their profile, that arrests and the like had perhaps driven them to ground. 
thinking uh, uh, thinking until the uh, thinking that you have driven fascists to ground is always wishful thinking up to and until the moment when the, there are no more fascists The Boogaloo Incel Tactical Command Headquarters Executive Staff was founded by a violent 19-year-old former Marine by the name of Mike Dunn. And he had gone around the Commonwealth of Virginia organizing <clears throat> militia groups. <clears throat> Eventually, one of the Boogaloo boys would murder a couple of law enforcement officers in California. And then they kind of disappeared. And what they did was fade away into the scenery. Mike Dunn even took off his Hawaiian shirt. And in the in, in the article, the part there there was a there was a line that kind of went out. Even Dung, Dunn, Dunn, I didn't mean to say Dung, I didn't mean to call him Dung. Even Dunn hung up, see, that's how that happened, Dunn and hung, Dung. Even Dunn hung up his Hawaiian shirt, changed his phone number, got a, got a job at a county jail, son of a, and laid low for a while. It's the got a job at a county jail part that kind of made me, whoop, yeah. How is it that you hire employees for a county jail and don't do a background check? Is that just me? That would seem to be grossly negligent. A little bit. That would be grossly negligent. The part that kind of, well, the thought that horrified me, though, is that maybe they weren't grossly negligent. Whoever this county jail who hired Mike Dung, Dunn, now it's stuck. May have looked at, oh, yeah, you founded the Boogaloo Boys. How about, hey, that's great for you. You want a job? You want to be a screw? I actually find that to be more horrifying than the gross negligence of not even checking to find out what a damn boogaloo boy is or running any kind of a background check on him. Ah, yeah, he's a boogaloo boy. He's a fascist street brawler. He'll be great in our jail. Admit it. You don't. It, it's not a reach. Because as we have said here, and all of us collectively have observed, there's a lot bigger Nazi fascist problem inside law enforcement in the United States of America, and probably the military, almost certainly the military, than most anyone is prepared to even acknowledge. It's bad, y'all. 
Well, in the last six months, according to Vice, Facebook has let the Boogaloo Boys, the Boogaloo Incel Tactical Command Headquarters Executive Staff, back onto Facebook. Yay, Meta. Uh, Mark, Mark Zuckerdweeb. Oh, you, 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 you diehard defender of freedom of speech, you. And they are, they're on Facebook and they're recruiting new, new boogaloos as well as people they refer to as OG boys, that's B-O-I. And they're creating more granular subcells. And they're doing offline meetups. Training, posting propaganda videos, guides to sniper training and guerrilla warfare, and how to DIY FAQs for making ghost guns with 3D printers. One member of the new group said, uh, one of the new groups said in, uh, uh, a post. The boys are back in town. And once Vice reached out to Zuckerbook, they pulled some of the pages. And Mike Dunk Dunn. Stop it, Rob. is as bloody-minded as he ever was. He is, Vice reports, consumed by fantasies of becoming a martyr on the streets at the hands of the U.S. government by refusing to comply with police orders and fighting back. He says he 100% supports an armed revolt. We all die there in the street at the hands of the National Guard or whatever. That would spark a revolution in the state of Virginia. It's Commonwealth, dumbass. Which would spill over into other states. I don't see it as a lone wolf act of somebody blowing up a building or an attack on anything, but as a defense of liberty. Sit, liberty. Sit. Creating martyrs in the name of the Constitution and freedom. Freedom! Wolverines! Oh, Jesus. No, it would not create a revolution. It would just be more violence. He says he's got a hundred boogaloos in Virginia alone. They call themselves the Sons of Liberty. Sit, Liberty, sit. And he says they're going to, I guess they're going to start shooting if Virginia tries to pass gun safety legislation. We will fight, we will die, and we will kill. Seems, he's a youngin', so I guess he's never seen maybe the Academy Award winning George C. Scott, the starring Patton, in which General George S. Patton remarks, the point of war is not to die for your country. The point of war is to make some other poor bastard die for his country. But, of course, 
Mike Dunn's the kind you know, he'll be a lead from lead from behind kind of guy. But one of the uh One of, one of their signature issues, if you will, and this is why I brought, brought the story up when Flavia, with Flavio's note, is attacks on the power grid. Now, what was that term we were talking about a couple of weeks ago? Um, where the, the, they, they, they want to ramp up the violence... Darn it, I said we needed to remember it, and here I am not remembering it. It's an ism. Um, Accelerationism. Accelerationism. They're trying to accelerate a civil war. Um... Theo writes, cops and militias, crossover. Hey, uh, hey, Theo. In the wake of Portland's BLM demonstrations in 2020, suspicions were raised that Oregon state and local law enforcement agencies were employing militia members or officers who were covering for the same. It's still a point of some tension between law enforcement and the public, even if the evidence remains elusive. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of video of cops standing idly by while while Proud Boys and Boogaloo Boys went absolutely apeshit and then moving in when people defended themselves against them. Ugly business. Terrifying business. And so I, I tender my sincere apologies... If me wondering if somebody had taken you had taken a taken a, uh, a pot shot at a transformer because that's actually happened here in the past. Back when our kids were in high school, every now and then uh, school would be canceled because some kid had decided to take a shot at the transformer of the high school, knocking out power and giving the kids a day off. Or it wasn't funny. But, I, but that was that was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And so again, I, I apologize if I unintentionally uh, channeled my inner Alex Jones. I will try not to do so in the future. By the way, good crowd in the chat room this evening. Um, if you pop by just right now. Uh, you'll be greeted by Anatole, New Jersey Nick, and Squeaky, and Theo. Capably moderated by Pinch Hit Midweek Chatroom Utility Moderator and All-Around Great Guy, Brother Bishop Steve from Georgia Stan. Steve! And, of course, uh, Horn Chief Mathematician, uh, Chief Agronomist, and Bud Trimmer Emeritus, Roger in Oregon. And please, uh, however you listen to this program, like and subscribe. Stitcher, Podbean, uh, on TuneIn, there's a little heart button on the player. If you like that, 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 that that's better for us. 
better for everybody. But however you listen, like and subscribe, and please leave a comment. I've seen some comments here and there, and thank you for them. Uh, Accelerationist, thank you. Scary scary Jerry. It's accelerationism, Robin. Missed you, Robin. Missed you, Jerry. Matt in San Francisco, Boogaloo Boys. Quite frankly, my money is on the drag queens. We have better outfits, much more creative, and we can fight in five-inch heels. I need lessons on the five-inch heels part. I'm still in kitten heels. But I've lost a shoe size, and that's nice. Um, I'm kind of with you there. I don't know if you saw this, but it, it, it gave me great it gave me great joy. There is a uh, there, and I frankly love the concept all by itself. Uh, Bernadette sent this along to me. Hey, Bernadette. A uh, a country punk band. God, that just sounds like a blast. Called the Vandaliers. Recently played a uh, con- uh, concert this past Thursday night in uh, Maryville, Tennessee, and the entire band—one, two, three, four, five—all six of them showed up in some ado- and, and, and performed in some adorable cocktail frocks. And they did so in solidarity with people who just want to live their lives in Tennessee but now find themselves having been banned from public existence. So I have to go and listen to the Vandaliers now. Uh, On an Instagram post for them, and by the way, if you want to look them up, Vandaliers is V-A-N-D-O-L-I-E-R-S, Vandaliers. On Instagram, they wrote, fuck a drag bill. Going to auction off the dresses we wore on stage in Tennessee tonight and donate the money to a couple of LGBTQ charities in this state. They went on and said, as a band, our core mission has always been to be a positive force of energy. Joshua Fleming, interviewed by Rolling Stone. What is happening in Tennessee is a blatant attack on a marginalized class, and we wanted to show all of our friends and fans in the LGBTQIA plus community our unwavering love and support. We see you, we stand with you, and we'll fight alongside you. Vandaliers is for everyone, forever. They could safely do it because the law does not take effect until, until July 1st. Right after Nashville Pride begins. And people, especially the Nashville scene, uh, the music scene, uh, have been loud in opposing it. Um... Sony Music Nashville, Red Light Management, Warner Music Nashville all signed off on a letter to Maggot Governor uh, Bill Lee 
telling him not to sign the bill, but of course he ignored them because, well, I mean, you know, what does what does tourism and music mean to a state like Tennessee anyway? I mean, maybe they can do some, maybe they can get into fracking. Jobs, 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 right? Thank you, Cecilia. Cecilia just jumped in and got us started on, uh, and so we got ten dollars to go on Ralph's challenge. Thank you so much, Cecilia. I do appreciate it. And uh, what's the difference between a state and a commonwealth? The only commonwealth I know is the Commonwealth of Nations, which is the old British Empire. Another thing, when you talked about that South Carolina woman jailed for using mifeprestone, ending up in a hospital and being tatted on, uh, on by the hospital to the police, whereupon she was jailed, you neglected to mention, ta-da, she's a black woman. I thought that was very important, because I suspect that it happened to have been a young white woman. More understanding would have been shown. Yeah, you may be right, Flavia. Yeah, I don't, I personally disagree with you on this. Uh, I think they would have been... If not as hard, they would have been hard on any, because they that's the point. They're going to be hard on any woman who tries to exert control over her own body. But as to commonwealths, it's mainly it's mainly a, in a name of roses, of roses, of roses, of roses. But no, we have uh, uh, at least three commonwealths that I can think of right off the top of my head. The Commonwealth of Kentucky, the Commonwealth of Virginia, and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Also, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Thank you, Squeaky. You must admit, Commonwealth has a certain ring to it. Uh, let's see. What? Uh... Oh, thank you, Jude. Jude says, exquisite moments just now, Robin, in voicing those women's names that travel with you, especially today. It's also very powerful in the nature it was conveyed through your voice, and all to honor by being respect-filled. You are loved, dear sister. Thank you, Jude, as are you. I love that picture of you snowshoeing up on uh, Snoqualmie Pass. Jude and her friends standing in front of a 700-year-old cedar. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry, Randy Radar. <laughs> Tennessee's just a state, not a commonwealth. Years and years and years ago, when you passed into Tennessee, there would be a sign that, because Tennessee is like, well, it, it has very distinct regions. And it would say, the signs would say, welcome to the three great states of Tennessee, East Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, and West Tennessee. They stopped doing that somewhere along the way. What a horror that would be. Three Tennessees. Really is, it really, I was uh, chatting in the darkness with my sister Terry last night. 
and we got to talking about how I can ever possibly go from here in West Virginia down to visit my friends in Alabama and not go through Tennessee where I can be arrested for going to the potty. I mean, the just being a speeding ticket in Tennessee is terrifying now. Well, just don't speed. It's not like that. When you when you come down off the plateau and down into the valley of the Cumberland River and you're headed toward Nashville, it gets out to six six lanes wide on either side, and it seems like every every other vehicle is a rusted out you know some sort of rusted out Pontiac with a McCain Palin sticker on it, and some dude having his NASCAR moment. You know if you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing. It, it's it's enough to induce a panic attack, and it has. Because mostly, you know, I just live up here in the quiet little hills and hollers and having to put my foot through the floorboard and go to the whip is a little weird. But just being pulled and, and speeding, <laughs> speeding is required. But that's like four hours in Tennessee. To not even not even be able to stop and go to the restroom. And well, Tennessee cops. Oh, we got a Tennessee another Tennessee story. Might as well stay here. Uh, the city of Memphis has uh, obtained a court order. that keeps over 20 hours of video and documents relating to the murder of Tyree Nichols under wraps. You remember the night that the video was released and we were all talking here, noting that it sure did seem to have been selectively edited. Well, it was. And so at the behest of the five accused murderers, a judge there in Memphis has blocked the release of 20 hours of additional footage and internal documents about the murder of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols. The judge saying that it cannot be released until the pettifoggers for the four accused murderers have had a chance to examine it and fold it and spindle it and mutilated it and write reams of objections on people ever seeing it. Because it would violate the cops' constitutional rights. Not a lot of mention of Tyree Nichols' constitutional rights there. The court orders that the release of videos, audios, reports, and personnel files of City of Memphis employees related to this indictment investigation to include administrative hearings, records, and related files shall be delayed until such time. Until such time. Doing a lot of work there. As the state and the defendants have reviewed this information, the release of this information shall be subject to further orders of this court and in the public interest will be ordered as soon as possible. 
Gee, Judge, why didn't you just say with all deliberate speed, huh? That's not promising. So, nobody really knows when that release will come. And, well, it's unreasonable to think that cops anywhere else in Tennessee are any better. Wait, what? Uh, Ralph says, how about mentioning Ron Monkey up in his heels? His heels? Oh, dear. I didn't see anything about his heels, but I did see the fact that he apparently laughed while people were being tortured at Guantanamo Bay. Any surprises there? Oh, Bernadette, I love that. What a great song. Maybe we'll maybe we'll uh maybe we'll get there. Oh and uh yes, th- again, thank you to Cecilia. We got ten dollars to go on Ralph's challenge and that'll get us down to seven hundred and sixty to go in fundraising if somebody's got ten bucks to kick in on that. I had an interesting note uh, yesterday evening, afternoon rather, uh, from our pal Todd. Uh, Todd said, I can't believe it. I'm in a bar and everyone is smoking. I, I thought I was having a flashback. It looks like circa 1975 to 1985, like a Miller Lite commercial. Oh, no, was Norm Crosby there? You know... Once upon a time, I would have been thrilled to have found such a place as that. Now I'd probably just sit there (laughs) coughing. And, you know, not in being a pain in the ass way, just... (laughs) And I remember everybody who, when I was counting days without a cigarette, and then months, uh, then weeks without cigarettes, and then months without cigarettes, uh, some of y'all said, you're going to get to the point where you don't think about it all the time anymore. And you're absolutely right. I don't. In fact, that was when when Todd sent that along yesterday. I was like, "I'll be damned." Eh. The bar, people are smoking. It is so nice, not to be a smoker. It just is, and that's not that's not that's not. I'm I'm not I'm not hectoring or castigating uh, anyone. For smoking, far be it from me. Uh, I've got, I've got 43 years of guilty, 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 guilty. But it sure is nice to be coming up on, let's see, my 17th year not being a smoker, because that's the first 14 years of my life plus the three years that now, and for the best of causes. Okay, Ralph, thank you. 
<laughs> yeah, he's dangerous and he's a fascist, but he's also a self-parodying little punk. Slate reporting, Ron DeSantis embraces the high heel. Don't fall for the false boot binary. <laughs> Christina Cotarucci has a uh, wicked sense of humor. She writes, one of the few reliable truths in electoral politics is that voters like tall presidents. Oh, it, it, that reminds me, Steve, uh, Steve in Georgia, Stan. I know you were really, really excited about History of the World Part 2. And I joked that it had better not be a bust or it would ruin Mel Brooks's career. <sighs> we, we got through episode one. Annette and I did. And then went looking for something else. It was... Well, at least in my humble opinion. Not great. There were a couple of giggles, but mostly... Annette and I just sat there kind of stone-faced. And not in a good way. But tall president, there's a running gag about Abraham Lincoln bumping his head on shit. And that was moderately funny. Pratt Falls and the like are always good. Christina Cotarucci says the average U.S. president is about two inches taller than the average U.S. man who is 5'9". Recent presidents have skewed even larger. Every president since Jimmy Carter, 5'9 and a half, has been 5'11 and a half or taller. We haven't elected a president smaller than the average man in nearly 130 years when short King William McKinley, short King William McKinley won his election. And then, and then they murdered him. Um, well, she goes on and says, so it stands to reason that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who is thirstily gunning for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination, would want to say, well, let's say amplify his stature. Rumor has it that the governor is around 5'9", his expected closest competitor in the GOP primary, Donald Trump, at 6'3", third tallest president. A fact he repeats to himself five times in the mirror every morning before taking a deep restorative breath and going on to face the day. Joe Biden's six foot. And so Ron Monkey up DeClantis is now being seen wearing cowboy boots. Maybe he could wear a vest with a little bit of fringe on it. And, you know, that'd be badass. <sighs> she does note, in fairness, that Monkey Up has been wearing cowboy boots with men's suits for years. She notes that at Vanity Fair, Gabriel Sherman reports that DeSantis's wife, Casey, bears responsibility. Uh, she bought him these dumbass cowboy boots, a former staffer told Sherman, because she thought it was part of the image when he went to Congress. And this article got deeply under Monkey Up's skin and that of his various and sundry spokes creeps. 
who had a plum conniption over it. They're cowboy boots. Don't that don't that coastal elite city woman know nothing about cowboy boots? This here is Florida. We redneck assholes up to our ass and alligator shit. Gotta have cowboy boots in Florida. Okay. Someone pointing out that uh, in a photo of Monkey Up with Tiger Woods, wow, Ron Filipkowski said, wow, Ron DeSantis is taller than Tiger Woods now. Must have had a growth spurt. <laughs> yeah, one asshole. Tell me you've never seen cowboy boots without telling me. Well, yeah. And there are cowboy boots with flats and cowboy boots with little wedge heels. But he's wearing he's wearing every bit of two and a half inch heels there. I love how, I love how the universe sort of comes together when the program gets going. And we had we had Matt earlier referencing badass drag queens kicking ass in five inch heels. Here's Monkey up to Clantus in two and a halfers. When he gets to the point that he can manage the five inch heels, hell, he'll probably be in platforms. You're valid, Ron. We see you. Uh, yes. Because um, we missed out on a whole lot of Titanic Tuesday yesterday. Odd, Steve notes. And how Christian of her. She doesn't want parents to have a say without government intervention to provide care for LGBTQ children. That's right. Sarah Hustlebuck Sandbags. Signs bill rolling back child labor protections. Yeah. So what? Just send the send the kids back to the mines like it's eighteen ninety nine in Pennsylvania? At one, the, the previous law in Arkansas, good God, that high. Jesus, it's like, it is. Looking at her, is like it's like an Edgar Allan Poe story. Ah! Beating of her heart, hideous heart. Um, previously, there was a law that made employers get work certificates for if they wanted to work anybody, get this, under the age of 16. Under 16. So, uh, Jethreen Bodine's spokes creep, Alexa Henning, said, The governor believes protecting kids is most important, but this permit was an arbitrary burden on parents to get permission from the government for their child to get a job. All child labor laws that actually protect children still apply, and we expect businesses to comply just as they are required to do now. Yeah, sure you do. Curiously, it's probably the same age to get married in Arkansas. There's a wrinkle here, though. If you really, really, really want to put your uh, want your, you want youngins to be able to work in, say, the vast and myriad chicken processing plants in Arkansas. 
Yeah, well, a lot of those, a lot of those kids are gonna. Yeah, maybe their names are gonna end in vowels, or maybe they're gonna speak Spanish and not be able to read a certificate written in English to take home to Ma and Pa and uh, get them to give their approval. So now the little migrant kid can just be put into the chicken sweatshop without so much as a kiss my chicken feet. You know, any time a Republican does something like this, you can bet your ass that it has some nefarious purpose. Uh, Laura Kellams is the Arkansas director, Northwest Arkansas director of the Arkansas Advocates for Children and Families. They speak up for voiceless children in that benighted state. Uh, Laura Kellams said, when we think about kids working who are 14, we think about who this might protect. It's not the 14-year-old who's working at the ice cream parlor in your hometown whose parents have given them permission to work. We're worried about the children who are at risk of being exploited and who are being exploited today. And the sense of timing of any given Republican is always a delight. Only recently did uh, Packers Sanitation Services pay a million and a half dollar civil penalty because they were putting children to work in hazardous circumstances. They, uh, they had employed at least 102 children, ranging in age between 13 and 17, in jobs that well, in which they had to use toxic chemicals and clean razor-sharp saws. This, of course, means precisely, and this is a complicated labor law term, dick, to a good God-fearing, upstanding, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelical, fundamentalist, homosexual, Christian, Republican, like Jethrine Bodine, the first woman governor of Arkansas. <sighs> And Steve points out, subject line, Lochner, you know as well as I do that Lochner is squarely in the sights of the United States Supreme Court. Yes. Lochner is there is another of their fetish objects. Privity of contract. I, 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 I was going to say I can't wait. Oh, I can wait until I see that show up in another benighted opinion from, from our most puissant dread sovereign Supreme Catholic Majesties. You're not wrong, Flavio. Flavio says Arkansas and Mississippi child labor. Let's be honest. If they could, the South would bring back slavery. No question about it. Yeah, absolutely. Still pissed off about the 13th Amendment. And, you know, they've used the uh, the, the little get-out-of-jail-free card, which is actually more of a put-somebody-in-jail-free card, to horrifying effect. You know, the little... The little clause in the 13th Amendment that there, well, there's a, there's a loophole in the 13th 
it's fairly, Section 1 is fairly straightforward. So is Section 2. Neither slavery, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Congress shall, Section 2, Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. And see, that's the loophole, except as punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. And that's how places like Parchman in Mississippi and Angola in Louisiana stand became basically outlets for white people to enslave convicted people, the vast majority of whom were black. And thus it is unto this very day. I wish I was lying. Now I get it, Steve says. Forced birth plus curtailed child labor laws equals a whole mess of new workers for our oligarch betters. My Jove, I think he's got it. What do they do in Mississippi when things are drippy? Mm-hmm. Eventually, Randy Radar says, you'll come around to the possibility that Trump is being protected from prosecution by the alphabet agencies. Um, just a second here, getting things hooked up. Hopefully it'll work, it'll work this time. We had some... We had some it, Hopefully it's going to work. Anyway, Brandy concludes, uh, you'll be a couple of years late to the party, but you'll have arrived in time for the leftovers. Um, I've never said outright that he isn't. But it's, it just, there, there are too many, there, there, there are too many places to drop a stitch in that theory. All right, Arnold, all right. Arnold says, I wore hunting boots and a suit suit to a wedding. I don't want to hear it. Well, did they have four-inch heels, Arnold? You know, and and Monkey Up's cowboy boots have that sloped heel. You know, it it makes it better for, uh, you know, keeping your boots in the stirrups when you're riding, riding your horse across the vast and open plains. And if this was video, you'd see me bouncing in the seat. And, and and got the reins in my freezer, pistol on either in either hand, fill your hands, you son of a bitch. Yeah, no. <laughs> God, he'd look like droopy dog riding a pony. Oh, and Jude wants me to let y'all know in the chat room uh, that she inadvertently clicked out. She was just beginning to meet some and wanted to respond to some of the folks in the chat room. It's a long story why at this time. My best to all in the chat room, and it was grounding also hearing from Todd and all on this International Women's Day. My heart be still. Know you are loved, Jude. Know you are loved. (laughs) 
hunting boots and a suit. Arnold, you may not want to hear it. But please tell me the hunting boots for camo. Long, long ago, I remember telling our eldest, when it comes when it comes to prom time, if he shows up here and he's got a pair of hunting boots on, you're not going. It was a joke. And then he did. It's where I am. Um... But also, in regard to what um, Randy Radar was saying a moment ago, um, I had this note and, and was actually going to uh, feature it yesterday. I got a note from our pal Joy in Ann Arbor, and she said... Uh, You won't like what I have to say this morning, and you may disagree, but you won't change my mind. At this late date, Dump is not going to be indicted for anything, not in any meaningful, just way. So I want to use him. These days, we're all being selfish, so I get to be selfish, too. I need that piece of shit to stay in the race all the way to the end. Biden can beat Dump again, but I don't think he can beat the fascist. Even if the fascist becomes the nominee for the Klan party, I need Dump to run as an independent in order to split the vote on the right. My primary goal is to avoid a total fascist theocratic takedown of my country by any means necessary. So I think everyone just needs to back off and let Dump run. They're not going to hold him accountable anyway, so why not use him to avoid fascism? Back off on the indictment talk. Let him go. You always have anyway. Let him go one more time. For the sake of the country, please don't let my entire country become Florida. And, and, because when I read that, I heard her, in my soul, I heard Joy spitting the word Florida. Florida. And to our Floridian members of the Horn Family Community Congregation, I apologize. I know you want a good Florida. You want a decent Florida. You want to... You know, you want to go back to those simpler, sweeter times when Florida wasn't a complete fascist dictatorship, when Florida was a place that we could count on to give us stories of Florida man drunk out of his mind robbing a liquor store with an alligator. That's the Florida we all want. That's the Florida we love. Not this filthy fascist nightmare. And I'm somewhere between Randy Radar and Joy. And I think Joy also was pretty sure that that that, that Nitwit Nero's a made man. And he may be and he may be and if that's what comes out in the history books a hundred years from now, let it be known via this archive, which if it lasts that long, you know. 
that I'm I'm here to say that a hundred years from now now they'll come out they'll, if they come out with it everybody a hundred years from now floating around in their helium pants will say well how did they not know well some people did some people did but it's it, and the other side of that coin is something that uh, Flavio is mentioning, moral courage. Nobody wants to indict Trump because they fear him and his base. That's why all of them, Garland, James, Willis, and Al, have been slow walking his indictment. They have no moral courage. It's already too late. Let me simply try, let me simply try to counter that just a little bit, gently, and with love in my heart. I see how it's easy to think that. We are, however, talking about massive cases. Fonnie Willis, not so much. That's pretty straightforward. But what Tish James is doing in New York is, I mean, think, she's always got a story. When I was in the uh, uh, legal clinic, as a student having my cup of coffee at Harvard on the Mons Tort Flats, the teacher in my legal clinic had actually been involved in the in the litigation around the breakup of AT and T, and she said it was it was, and I think this was part of what made her so uniquely good at running the clinic. She said that it was mind-boggling the amount of discovery and the amount of documentation that had to be gone over word by word. Armies of lawyers. And you have to take into account that these are not just, you know, it wasn't just Nitwit Nero doing this. It was people like... um, Alan Weisselberg, is that his name? And very talented and creative accountants who used their talents and that creativity to create this massive fraud in New York. And all the dizzyingly complex and dodgy dealings with places like Deutsche Bank. There are mirrors looking at mirrors looking at mirrors looking at mirrors in all of this shit. And when it comes time to try to indict, the grand jury's head is going to swim. Heads are going to swim. Their eyes are going to roll back in their heads. Now, like I said, Fulton County and Fonnie Willis is a little bit of a different story. And by the way, it was Ron and Raleigh who pointed out it's Fonnie Willis, not Fanny. And I haven't heard from Ron for a while. I don't know if it's your work schedule or what, but when we don't hear from people for a while, we worry. Send a single ping, Ron. Um, And the other side of this is, 
and I apologize if I'm just going total nerd on this, but I know there are some things that I know if I, a simple hillbilly up a holler in West Virginia, know this, that my betters in D.C. with far better educations must know as well. And I'm talking about classical history. The Roman Republic stumbled along fairly capably with the system, the, the Republican system of government, oligarchic though it was, corrupt though it was, but it was reasonably stable and successful. They had an understanding, for instance, you know, the 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 the, the heads, the the headmen, because uh, they were men. The headmen of the political system were the two consuls who were elected to serve for one year in tandem, and no one and 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 either consul could overrule the other. So there had to be a constant level of consensus. Oh, she's doing it again. And it worked with the understanding that once you'd had your year as consul, you were done. Having a second consular year was almost, not entirely, but almost unheard of. Until, and I mentioned him on the program on Monday, Gaius Marius, a brilliant general. Re, re-envisioned, reinvented the legions. Uh, saw one battle where the Romans threw their spears, and the Gauls picked the spears back up and threw them right back at the Romans, and did a whopping load of damage. And Gaius Marius said, "Oh, that's really pretty dumb." And so he got busy and fashioned a spearhead that would break off on impact so that they couldn't turn around and throw the spears back at the Romans. And he followed the cursus cursus honorum, became consul, but then said he had been given a vision by, um, or a prophecy by some, I don't know, some old lady sitting in a cave somewhere. And she said that he would be consul six times. Again, unheard of. But lo and behold, he became consul six times. And on his sixth consulship, that is when Sulla came down and ran a coup on his ass because Gaius Marius had gone Donald Trump nuts. I'm really going to get somewhere with this, I promise. Had gone Donald Trump crazy, and Sulla came, chased him out of office, eventually hunted him down, and then Sulla cut loose with the first round of what were called the proscriptions. And that was just putting names on a list and then basically farming it out to anybody who could go and kill the person and they got a share of the wealth, and Sulla got a piece of the wealth. It was, a, it was really a mob operation. 
and vast swaths of the Roman nobility were slaughtered and had their money taken from them. But from that point forward, the idea of marching on Rome and pursuing a sitting leader and replacing him and then, and then having your pet senate declare you dictator, well, it, it, it got some currency. And then as things got nastier and the fight for power became more brutal, the idea of prosecuting former consuls came into fashion. Such that when Gaius Julius Caesar uh, was done with his campaign in Gaul, he was supposed to disband his legions at the territorial boundary of Italia proper, which was a little creek or stream or ephemeral whatever called the Rubicon. But he knew that if he had given up his legions, he would be prosecuted and probably exiled from a, a thousand, for a thousand stadia from having fire or water in, uh, in Rome. That's how they did things. And that became, and, and prosecuting former consuls uh, became a new normal. And again, if I know these things, just a simple hillbilly, I know that people in D.C. must know this too. And they must surely know that prosecuting a former president would open a can of worms, open Pandora's box, pull the cork on the bottle with the genie in it, forevermore. There was a reason, just as a modern example, there was a reason that as much as we all despised it, loathed it, thought it was dead-ass wrong, there was a reason why when Barack Obama took office and people said, okay, please, George W. Bush and Dick Cheney started a war of choice that did not need to be fought. They've cost the lives of countless thousands of American military personnel, slaughtered over a million innocent Iraqis who would be alive today were it not for their decision. Please prosecute him for that. And then, much to our undying consternation, Barack Obama said, oh, we're going to look forward and not back. Huh! And he did that, I think, because he understood the forces he might be unleashing. And those forces are in play with Nitwit Nero, too. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he should be prosecuted. But no one in the federal system and no prosecutor worth her salt 
is going to oh, worth her salt. There's another Roman thing. Uh, is is going to present something to a grand jury that they don't know they are going to get a conviction on. I mean, we're not even a, no. This isn't even good chance. This is, we cannot shoot at the king and miss. Because if you do that, it's even worse than not having tried at all. And so I come back to what Flavio said and what Joy in Ann Arbor said, and I'm pretty much on the same page with Joy. I don't think we should just let him slide. I am of the I'm of the belief that he should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law for every goddamn crime he committed. But I want I do. We talked about this, we processed on this. I want him to be the Republican nominee. I really, really, for truly honestly do. Because we can beat him. Because the Boogaloo Incel Tactical Command Headquarters Executive Staff will be behind him. And the Proud Boys, and the Free Percenters, and the Oath Keepers. And most of America looks at those assholes and says, no, that's not us. Well, it is us. It's 33% of us, probably. But it's not most of America just trying to get by. Dealing with soaring electricity costs and soaring gasoline costs and soaring egg prices and soaring milk prices and all of these things. Dealing with fear and fascism in any number of of states of this union. We can beat him. And what I wouldn't be to give a be what I wouldn't give to be a little butterfly on the wall down at Maga Loco with Nitwit Nero getting the news that Tuckio testicle toasting Tuckio Rose Carlson was sending messages saying we're just a few days from being able to ignore Trump forever. I hate him passionately. Yeah, testicle toasting Tucky O. Rose Carlson said that. He hates me. I hate him haterer. I hate him hateiest. I do, really. And there are there are cracks in the Republican camp that are beginning to be exposed. And 
and you know when when cracks appear in the Republican camp, I say apply more heat and more pressure. With Kevers, man of silly putty, weaker speaker McCarthy having inexplicably given access, given the videos to testicle toasting Tucky Rose Carlson. Well, he turned around and channeled his inner Goebbels. Carlson did on his show, <laughs> taking a break from hating trans people, apparently, at least for a couple of minutes, and described January 6, 2021, and the terrorist attack on the capital of the United States as a mostly peaceful day. Or his exact words, mostly peaceful chaos. This did not play well with any number of Republican senators. Now, over there in the in the in the House of Bedlam, Republicans aren't saying much, but in the Senate, Republicans are being kind of noisy about it. Moscow Mitch McConnell, among other things, said. I want to associate myself entirely with the opinion of the chief and the Capitol Police about what happened on January 6th. It was a mistake, in my view, for Fox News to depict this in a way that's completely at variance with what our chief law enforcement official here at the Capitol thinks. Because uh, the chief... Denounced Tuckio Rose Carlson for spreading offensive and misleading conclusions about the terrorist attack. Not the least of which was a disturbing accusation, his words, that Officer Brian Sicknick's death had nothing to do with the riot. That wasn't all, though. Um. There was, um, what's his name, Mike Rounds? No, okay, no. Uh, Kevin Kramer from North Dakota Stan. said, uh, I think that breaking through glass windows and doors to get into the United States Capitol against the orders of police is a crime. I think particularly when you come into the chambers, when you start opening the members' desks, when you stand up in their balcony, to somehow put that in the same category as, you know, permitted peaceful protest is just a lie. I don't think it does any good for the narrative. This wasn't some rowdy peaceful protest of Boy Scouts. Kevin Kramer. Uh, McConnell went on and said, clearly the chief of the Capitol Police correctly described what most of us witnessed on January 6th. But somehow he couldn't, at least he knows Reagan's 11th commandment, thou shalt not criticize another Republican because Kevin McCarthy, the weaker speaker, well, McConnell couldn't criticize him direction, uh, directly. Tom Tillis of North Carolina, on the other hand, 
was not shy in his estimation of Tucker Carlson. Tillis said, I was here. I was down there. And I saw maybe a few tourists, a few people got caught up in things. But when you see police barricades breached, when you see police officers assaulted, all of that, if you were just a tourist, you should have probably lined up at the visitor center and came in on an orderly basis. I think it's bullshit. And went on to say that what Tucky O. Rose Carlson did was inexcusable. And it is. Uh, I think Bishop Willard Romney had some not particularly mild words for Tucky O. Rose. And with any luck at all, by the time this is all said and done, his, his career will be in tatters. Carlson's. Rupert has gone hammer and tongs trying to cover for his bowtie boy. Remember, he said that Frau Engram and the Hannity job uh, went too far in these in this these uh, deposition transcripts. But it's Carlson who is openly talking about how much he despises Donald Trump. I hate him passionately. Because Donald Trump was ruining the brand. And what's going on at Fox News TV Radio Rwanda is being described as an existential crisis there. And even if $1.6 billion, the ad damnum of the Dominion suit, uh, is only a year's revenue there, uh, losing the case... will not be good for Rupert's or Lachlan's state of mind. So as we often find ourselves saying around here, gee, I hope it doesn't hurt too little. Um, oh my God, News Ninja Gene. Knowing Monkey up for the man he is, those boots are probably made of sea cow skin. Gene, you're not wrong. And you get a cowbell. Hey, across the pond, Gene. Meanwhile, Scary Jerry says, uh, uh, World War II was okay, FloridaFascistFollies.com. The Last of Us, Episode 7, Traumatic, Horrifying. And Joy in Ann Arbor, Scary Jerry, said the same thing, or almost. Uh, she said, uh, Bella Ramsey in The Last of Us delivered a scene in the latest episode that is a master class in acting. The Emmy is hers to lose. My God, I'm still haunted by it. I felt it to the quick. I feel understood by her as a human being in my darkest places. Eventually, I'm going to screw my courage to the sticking place and watch it. I don't know if Annette's going to agree to or not. Maybe kind of like watching Breaking Bad. I have to do that by myself. 
Okay, Arnold. The boots were brown leather hunting boots. Good, 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 good. Uh, terrifying, Scary Jerry says. Was thinking about getting a PlayStation console and getting the game after Episode 7. Just want to hide under my bed. Gaming sounds too immersive. Television is more a drive-by game. You live there. The Last of Us, well made, but geez, it's a bit much. Re, scum to Satan, attackadsrus.com, rondasatan.com. Ideas that bounce around my head in lieu of the new in, in lieu of the new blogger law. Also, fuck to fascist.info. Re child labor, Jesus fucking Christ. How about paying adult people a good wage? It's the twenty first fucking century. Hustle bucks out here pimping children to slaughterhouses. Can't even video record a death house without triggering a felony. <sighs> Long exasperated sigh. Anyways, episode seven, The Last of Us, amazing. Eat first, because you ain't eating after. Currently sourcing logisticizing abortion pills. As you say on your show, it's a good dollar. And the wrath of bumblefuck AGs means nothing to me. Makes it slightly tingly, actually. You know, feels like a purposeful destiny. Fuck spawn to Satan. Oh, Jerry, tell us how you feel. really feel. But you mentioned the, the you-can't-blog-about-Ron law. You might find it interesting to note... That monkey up, well, he's catching some shit. Good. Uh, About making bloggers register with the state of Florida. And so we see a little bit of his character as he runs whining. That's not anything I've ever supported, he said yesterday. I don't control every single bill that's been filed or amendment. Yeah, but you want to. I don't support it. I've been very clear about what we're doing. Every person in the legislature can file bills. Yeah, but it's it's his pet Republican legislature. The Florida legislation, 120 of them in the House, and however many, like the 40 in the Senate. Wait, he doesn't know how many senators the state of Florida has? Really? They have independent agency to be able to do things. Like, I don't control every single bill that's been filed or amendment. So just as we go through this session, please understand that. Don't blame me. Yeah. Uh, a, a maggot named Jason Broder filed the bill back in uh, February, and he said, Voters have a right to know when somebody's being paid to advocate. What's the difference between a paid blogger who writes about state government or a paid lobbyist who advocates in state government? Well, you know, I mean, there is that whole First Amendment thing. Oops. Yeah, um, uh, Balmer Bob with a note, Georgia state legislators versus rogue prosecutors. On Monday night, Rachel did a long segment on a bill moving through the Georgia state legislature. Both the state house and Senate passed it. It awaits reconciliation between the two chambers. Governor Brian Kemp announced he would sign it. The bill would allow the state legislature to punish or remove rogue prosecutors. A thinly veiled reference to Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. Ms. Willis denounced the bill as racist. Probably because it is. And, of course, 
I trust you've seen the cop violence, the cop riot coming out of uh, the cop city protests. The Atlanta cops are now down to attacking hip-hop concerts. They did that. Oh, and the subject line, Bella Bernadette says, powerful performance indeed. She is the show. And so uh, here at the, uh, yeah, we're past the halfway mark of the program. This is an hour and 36 minute long filler robster so far. And if you want to, if you want to help out, it would be great to finish Ralph's challenge from day before yesterday. That's got ten dollars to go on it. Uh, I'm sure Cecilia would like to have some company um, in the a la carte department this evening. Thank you, Cecilia. And as I said, that would get us down to seven sixty in our fundraising to keep the program on the air month by month by month by month. Because once again, I have terrifying bills to deal with. I'll be so glad when we're not running heat anymore. Um, as to indicting Nitwit Nero, Stephen New York says, I am one gajillion percent in favor of indicting the motherfucker. I long to see accountability in jail for him and his entire family. However, I am also one billion percent on your side here with this caveat. I do not think that Garland is dragging his feet. I think that Garland is looking at this exactly as you're describing it. I also think that Garland can look at the GOP in the House and see the investigate for investigation's sake and the vindictive and vengeful moves that they've shown that they have. We saw what they did with Ilhan Omar, Adam Schiff, Jamie Raskin, and others. They're not interested in justice. They're interested in retribution. I would be your retribution. He said that this weekend, Nitwit Nero did, remember? They're interested in fire and brimstone, torches, pitchforks, etc. I think Garland sees that and realizes that if we think that what the House is doing is bad, indicting the orange fuck will unleash, unleash not just a Pandora's box, but a Pandora's shipping container of anger, vitriol, vengeance, and violence. They will inflict indictment revenge on any president for any reason. It is conceivable that when they get power again, and they will because that is just the nature of things, they will indict every living Democrat former president. Democratic former president. I do not think this should deter us. The cost of doing so is really immeasurable and will likely be catastrophic, but there is truly no other choice. Again, I don't say this to favor not doing so, but we really need to consider the whys and wherefores that this hasn't happened yet. Truth. This is one of those sow the wind, reap the whirlwind kind of moments. But a republic cannot exist in fear. Something that purports to be democratic, little d democratic, cannot exist in fear. We either deal with him and hopefully indict, prosecute, convict, and imprison him. 
or we give up on the entire notion that this is a nation of laws and not of persons. We give up on the entire notion that no one is above the law. Hey, thank you, Theo. Uh, Ralph's challenge is met. Thank you, Theo. Thank you so much. And so we can move on down. Hopefully, maybe could we get like 160 bucks more, and that way we'll be done with uh, last week. Be fantastic if we could. 16 people, 10 bucks, etc. So, in the meantime, oh, like and subscribe, y'all. Please leave a comment. Every time I say that, Brother Deacon Asa smiles. You want to make Brother Deacon Asa smile, don't you? Like and subscribe and comment. So, even as they go about their nefarious business, reports indicate that the Republicans in the House have come to the conclusion that, yes, they are willing to put the United States government into default. And maybe it's because I'm not well-schooled in economics that I haven't talked about this as much as perhaps I should have. But the fact of the matter is, if we default, the U.S. economy goes to shit and takes the world with us. Remember, we're the we sneeze, the world gets the flu country. Tomorrow there will be a panel discussion in the House Ways and Means Committee to decide how they're going to prioritize debt if the United States defaults. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has said that that's nuts. In January, she said a failure on the part of the United States to meet any obligation, whether it's the debt holders, members of our military, or to Social Security recipients, is effectively a default. And she is not wrong. I will also say that Treasury systems have all been built to pay our bills, to pay all of our bills when they are due and on time, and not to prioritize one form of spending over another. Jerome Powell at the Fed is equally horrified and has said, I absolutely, the Federal, the Federal Reserve absolutely will not bail out this Congress. Even the shortest of defaults could cost a million jobs, which would be fine with Republicans because they would blame Joe Biden for it, even though we've had the greatest job growth under him in several presidencies.
Janet Yellen said last month, this economic catastrophe is preventable. The solution is simple. Congress must vote to raise or suspend the debt limit. It should do so without conditions, and it should not wait until the last minute. I believe it is a basic responsibility of our nation's leaders to get this done. If the United States defaults for an extended period of time, 7 million jobs go poof. And the number crunchers say that the that, uh, Wall Street will tank by 20%, $10 trillion in household wealth wiped out. That's some fearful stuff. Terrifying. They don't need to jail him, Flavio says. Of Nitwit Nero. I'd be content with enforcement of the 14th Amendment clause prohibiting former coup plotters from ever holding public office again. That would be enough for me. The problem, Flavio, is that we've had federal judges say that the 14th Amendment clause only applies to the Civil War. Anything that happened before April of 1865, in other words. Which is just bullshit. Uh, let's, uh, let's, go over, let's go over to Skype and uh, see what's going on with Scott. Hopefully I'll be able to hear him this time. You there, Scott? Hello, hello. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Skype gods. How are you, Robin? Ah, uh, you know, I'm... I'm okay. You know, sitting here with my box seat to the apocalypse and everything. How about you? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm hanging right in here. Hanging right in here. I wanted to, uh, wanted to talk about the possibility of indicting Trump and what that might look like. Do please. But I wanted to mention just in passing that um, did I hear you mention that DeSantis was wearing like a buckskin jacket or vest with fringe? No, I was saying he should. Oh, oh, I thought that's what he was wearing with his boots. But that's too bad. I kind of hope he was moving in that direction because that only that means he's only a step or two away from from channeling his inner Dale Evans. <laughs> Do you remember how Dale used to Yeah, dress? yeah. Yeah. The fucking vest and the stars and the epaulets and the. I thought I thought you I, I thought you were going somewhere else. I thought you were going to say that he was going to channel his inner Richard Mulligan in Little Big Man as as uh, George Armstrong Custer, dead drunk and screaming at uh, scre- <laughs> screaming at, at the at his hallucination of President Grant. Master yeah. President, you're drunk. <laughs> God, I got to rewatch that film. It's been years. Such a great film. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with the red, white, and blue vest, with the stars and the fringe and the skirt with the fringe, and I don't know if her hat had fringe, but if there was room, there was probably some on there. Jesus. Anyway, um, hang on here. Let me take a drink of uh, something. I'm on uh, a medicine to help with my uh, industrial my intestinal issue, and uh, for some reason it makes me dry. I'm not. Ah. 
are delicious. Uh, anyway, no, I, I was, uh, you know me, I, I, to me, in explaining current things, everything goes back to examples in Watergate. And do you remember when uh, the House uh, Judiciary held impeachment hearings regarding Nixon and the walls were closing in and the Supreme Court said the tapes must be released. And right, yeah. Within days, he was, uh, you know, effective noon tomorrow, I'm out of here, and then was pardoned a month later. Uh, in the wake of all that, everybody thought, well, this is it. We'll never be the same. Uh, but on another uh, uh, hand, people said, well, on some level, the system worked. And I'm not uh, completely convinced that the system will not work again this time if Trump is indicted. The way that they're the, the way that they're pushing it, the pundits, is that this will be the starting bell for, you know, Armageddon or, or something worse. And I don't think that's the case. There's going to be a lunatic fringe, as there always is, that's going to raise, try to raise hell or, or express uh, uh, disappointment or outrage or whatever it is that they express. But I think the country is still held together well enough to where if the prosecutors and the attorneys and the people in charge of such things have their arguments and their law lined up correctly, that there will come a time when this fool is going to be indicted in several venues, I'm sure, and it will move to a trial and there probably will be convictions and he's not going to like it and his minions and fans are not going to like it. But get, get used to it. Put on your big person pants and, and welcome to America. We, we still, as hard to believe as it is, operate under the rule of law. Now, I could be absolutely full of it. I mean, people on this show have told me at various times how full of it I sometimes seem to be. But I just seem to think that, you know, the, the bones are still good on this ship of state if I can mix my metaphors. So anyway, that's, I don't know when or... or well, you, you, with, by, by bringing up Nixon, you raise a point that I actually meant to raise a little bit ago. Oh, good. I'm glad to see that it's served at least some good purpose. Well, of course. And that, and that <laughs> is this. Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon because... He believed the indictment, justifiable indictment of Richard Nixon, was forthcoming. And he was right, I think. And when he, I think he was right to. I don't think he. I don't. I'm not saying he was right to to, to pardon him. I'm saying I think he was right in reading the tea leaves. Yeah, he was correct in his uh, viewing of the tea leaves. And when Gerald Ford said, "Our long national nightmare is finally over." I kind of laughed when he said that. I think we all did. <laughs> was he wearing his whip inflation now button? I don't remember. I don't remember either, but I said, fat chance, I think were my exact words. But the thing is, the national nightmare to which he was referring was the idea of indicting a former president. At least I think he, I think that's what he meant. 
because he, because it right. because it, it would it would make terrifyingly real the prospect of every time the presidency changes hands between the parties, a slew of indictments coming down. No, with the with the uh, national nightmare being over, that was in his remarks after he was sworn in. The day after Nixon, or the day that Nixon left. Remember, he gave his announcement the night before, and said effective noon tomorrow, and then got on the chopper and off to San Clemens, and he went. And then Ford was sworn in. They walked him out to the helicopter to make sure he actually left. And then they trudged back into the East Room or wherever the hell it was. And uh, Warren Burger swore him in. He hugged his wife and uh, gave those immortal words, at last our long national nightmare is over. I think he was referring to the whole Watergate affair, which is what they used to call it, the Watergate escapade. But really, you know, well, that, and that's a that's a credible argument too. No, no, I'm just saying that in a real way, the nightmare was just beginning, because what we did is we took a couple of steps in the right direction, even with the pardon, by changing campaign finance laws and tightening up some other things relative to politics. But that didn't last long. I don't think it lasted until. Or what would that have been, 74, 75? I don't think that that lasted too far out of the 70s. By the time the 80s were getting going with old Ronnie Reagan, uh, you know, I'm from the government, I'm here to help you. Never mind that, Jack. We're going to do, it's like, uh, what is that with the economy when they, uh, like a free form, free range, uh, uh, what is it? What is that economic term? Whatever the market will bear. Uh, help me, Robin. You know words. What laissez-faire, free market? Laissez-faire. I mean, Reagan was definitely a laissez-faire kind of guy. So by the time the eighties uh, ticked in, in, in on the grand uh, day counter, yeah, the nightmare just was kind of revving up again for another try. Just for the folks keeping notes about how things work in life, the nightmare never really ends. It subsides. It recedes. It it, shifts. It transmogrifies into a new nightmare. It eclipses. Yeah. Yeah, the nightmare is ever-present, which is part of the danger. But anyway. I, I just I wanted to address that deal with Trump, uh, his legal woes. I personally, he may well be the nominee, but by the time election time rolls around in 24, he's going to be up to his ass in water moccasins and alligators and legal legal problems. And those terrifying he, spiders they have in, in, in Australia. You know, did you ever read uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? I have a paper. God, yes. The the illustrations of that. Ralph Steadman, was that the name of the guy that did the illustrations? Yes. Yes. It's going to be something out of that where the fucking floor is going to melt and and creeping crawlies are going to be coming up people's legs. It's going to be, I may have to buy my uh, deluxe ticket uh, so I can get a good seat to see that. I mean. 
you know, because this is America. We get a ringside uh, seat at the old fleet parade. But anyway, I, I, I just, I am so. But I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to associate myself with your remarks and add to it that if we're going to talk about this concept of national nightmares, there's a, there's a compelling argument to be made that with the pardoning of Richard Nixon, our long national nightmare did not end. It began. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Really. Be, be, because because it, I think there's a there's a discussion. I would guess. I don't know. Maybe they don't get all you know corduroy jacket with elbow patches on it, highfalutin, and sit around t- with the with the with the thousand uh, dollar bourbon tinkling over the ice cubes from Icelandic icebergs in their glasses. But maybe they do. And if they do, then maybe maybe it's a conversation that goes like, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, we didn't even indict Richard Nixon. And people didn't and people weren't willing to go shoot people in the streets for Richard Nixon. That people are willing to commit murder over this guy. Does that have any resonance with you? Yeah, it does. It does. But see, the 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 crimes and misdemeanors and the malfeasance and the uh, just bad bad behavior is to me is so much worse in the Trump era than it ever was with Nixon. Or it could be just as bad. It's just bad now in a more intense and dangerous way, I mean, real time, uh, I think people have, uh, part of it is is not, know, what is that old saying, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. I think there's a lot of that going on. <clears throat> there's a lot of folks in this, <coughs> pardon me, a lot of folks in this country who just have no freaking idea what has happened in our own history and what dangerous ground we're, we're treading upon with the likes of Trump anywhere near the levers of power. And not only Trump, but some of his great supporters and enablers, both in and out of office. Uh, I, ju- I just think the, the danger of Siren and the flashing lights ought to be more intense and, and more la- and louder. But you can't tell people anything, because if they don't know, then they don't see it, if they don't get it. It's like a joke. Either you get it or you don't. But that's I, no, I think, I think you're right. Um, I had a note from Randy Radar saying that we need more, we need more gain on your mic. Unfortunately, I've got you pegged. Uh, no, wrong. no, stop it! I've got you. Uh, I've got you maxed out on the on on my fader here. Okay, well let me let me sit up a little bit and see if that helps. I've got the uh, the headset on the, the earbuds. Is this any better? Um, not. I've got, I've got I think fan. we'll be. I think we'll be okay. I I've got I've got the fan on, and that might be blowing and making background noise that doesn't help matters. Well, let's just keep going and. Uh... Okay. 
Well, anyway, I did, I, did, uh, I did want to address that stuff with Nixon because I think we can learn from history if we have sense enough to take the time and expend the energy to do it. Well, I think you're right. And by the way, I just had a note from Bernadette. Just my brain exploding. This country was built on the backs of enslaved and indigenous peoples, virtually a cracked foundation. The crack remains with the past, current, and future unjust and surprise suppressing laws. No house remains standing on a cracked foundation. Eventually it will fall. Let's get on with the rebuilding of our nation. This fight must be had. We are that generation tasked with the job. It's our turn. We cannot prosecute the twice impeached idiot in fear. It must be done. No one is above the rule of law. Indict, convict, and jail this monstrosity that was the criminal 45th administration of this country. All of them. And lock Trump's dumb ass up. And I will add uh, his, his, his vulgar gits as well. His vulgar what? Gits. <laughs> I don't follow that. I'm... A git. A, a kid. Offspring. Oh, his kids. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Not kids. Yeah. Gits. Gits. Yeah. And your filthy gits too. Yeah. Remember, Mary was from Mary was from a, from an island in Scotland, where where the gene pool was no was no deeper than a muddy hoof print. Not the Isle of Skye, mind you. It was the Isle of something, Scar, perhaps. I don't know. Where was she from? It, it was northern northern Scotland. Yeah, it was. It was in. I I don't know. I didn't know. If, I don't know if it was in the Orkneys or. But, yeah, and she came to the United States uh, on a vacation visa. I'm going to take a holiday. Yeah. My bad <laughs> Scottish accent. I apologize to everybody. I apologize to everybody in the, in, in, in the U.K., in Ireland. It, it, I'm sorry. It's, I can't help it. Sometimes it just sneaks out. That's, that's, uh, if I had her number, I would call her and bring her into the call of my uh, aunt, Aunt from Scotland, Aunt Christine from Glasgow. She's been over here since like uh, the early 60s, married one of my dad's uh, brothers. I haven't seen her for years, but she's been in this country for over 50 years and still has the accent, even after living in Virginia for like 20 years and then ever since then down in uh, Miami. And, and, and her mom and dad came over one time to visit. And I think another cousin who was in this country already. And we had a big uh, dinner at, at my family's house. And when they got to talking, Robin, it was like people sharing the same native tongue, but apparently either speaking or we were hearing an entirely different language with the contractions and the oohs and the eyes and the eyes and the oohs. And some of the expressions, I, to this day, I still don't understand. Well, that was old cousin Haggis Kincaid, and she doesn't get out very much. Oh, Haggis, how is the old girl? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. Do you know, I've got a watch. I haven't seen it in years. I think it was the last two... We're close to the last two Burt Lancaster movies. One was called uh, Susan Sarandon was in it, uh, Atlantic City. Yes. 
wonderful movie. I love Burt Lancaster anyway. Very intense fellow, tightly wound. But the other one was called uh, Local Hero. I knew you were going to say Local Hero. That is, that's probably within my top five films. Yes, every time I think of, of uh, Scotland, I think of Burt Lancaster in that movie. And it's been years since I've seen it. I love, I love that, I love that one line from one of the fishing village people as the helicopter's flying away. He says, "Oh, bugger! I meant to say Tulu. Yeah. No, I meant to say Tirio. Oh yes, Tirio, Tirio. I." No, I love that. I love that film. I get, I get all misty and weepy over that film. Yeah, it is one of those movies. I've I've never actually seen a bad Burt Lancaster movie. No. Most people know him from Birdman of Alcatraz, and uh, he did a pretty funny one with um, toward the end of his career where they were gangsters. It was. Uh, who was the other guy in that? Another actor of that era. It might have been Kirk Douglas. Somebody will need to look it up, because I, I just don't remember. This Imodium is playing tricks with my brain, Robin. Ah. I'm, not, I'm not seeing flashes of light or anything. No, it's, it's, yeah. If you do, stay away from those. I got a fun one for you. I mean, it's not fun, but... Uh, Jesus. Is this a puzzler? No, this isn't a puzzler. This is just well. Um, I don't know. It may now we we may now hear from uh, uh, cousin uh, Ivana Kincaid because one of the propagandists on Russian state TV, oh, uh, Eva says that. And <laughs> I'm sorry. There's kind of a hillbilly angle to this too. But well, let's see if we've got the actual audio in Mother Russia. Некогда Великая Британия. Там сегодня стало известно, что в некоторых ресторанах белок. Ввиду того, что животных много в парках, почему бы их не есть, имея в виду нехватку питания. I mean, uh, hmm. Restaurants in Great Britain have started serving squirrels because of food shortage in country of Great Britain. Because they have, because Great Britain spends all money on sending weapons to Ukraine, and now Britons must eat squirrel. Like British food couldn't get any worse. Well, you know this. Like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You're going to get hate mail. Claire's going to say something to you on Facebook, and you know it, and, uh, well, and this is yours to deal with. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, British, like Brit food. British food has gotten much better over the years. I offer you the opportunity to dump a can of mushy peas over my head and laugh uproariously. Oh. If you, 
if you can find me. I mean, it's it's not all bangers and mash and spotted dick. I'm still not. I'm, I'm still not over the idea of eating canned pork and beans for breakfast, but it's not like I've never done it either. Oh, the the British breakfast is a tradition, Robin. It, it's just certainly never, and, and probably certainly explains Tory politics. I don't know, well, but but this idea that. <laughs> I mean, personally, as a hillbilly, I'm offended because Skabayeva says uh, makes it sound like eating squirrels is a bad thing. Um, no, 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 no. Right. I want you to know, and please, if you don't understand, I mean, don't just assume, but squirrel squirrels is good. Squirrels is good eating. Oh, pan fr- pan fried squirrel with squirrel gravy. You ever had quail? Yes, and I've had squab too. Yeah, that's just another word there, for pigeon. Yeah, well, Ill. There, I don't like to think of it in those terms. But the fucking squab, mother. I was a, when I was a child. I don't know where the hell we were. But we were visiting some relative, and it's like on the old hee haw program. Hey, Grandpa, what's for dinner? Mm-hmm. And they said squirrel. Well, this freaked me right the fuck out. I mean, I I couldn't have been more than six or seven years old. And it was fine. I won't say it tasted like chicken, which makes me wonder, the first person who had chicken, what did that person say it tasted a lot like? Would somebody help me with that? I, because everything tastes, oh, well, this tastes just like chicken. But anyway. I, uh, yes, squirrel is an acquired thing, and I always think of Rocky when I think of people eating it, but sometimes you've got to stretch that old protein. uh, Well, you know, but the problem problem is now we live in a world that has mad squirrel disease. So one of the true Appalachian delicacies has gone by the wayside. Yeah, well, I mean, if there's... Squirrel brains. Squirrel brains and and scrambled eggs and squirrel gravy. I have to draw the line. With anything above the neck. Do you have any idea how many squirrels you have to kill to get a mess of squirrel brains and gravy? Well, how big is a mess in, in weights and measures? To be metric, could be uh, pounds. And well, pounds. Um, it, it is it is a fluid term, not for fluids, but uh, it's a relative term. There, there, and that doesn't mean you can only eat them with your relatives. But a mess is however much it takes to feed however many people at your table. How much you're gonna have? Well, let's have a mess of it because the kids like it. Mess of greens, mess of squirrel brains and gravy. I've probably what like and subscribe, y'all, if you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I think I probably lost half the or more of the Horn Family Community Congregation the minute I said squirrel brains and gravy. Let's brighten up uh, Ace's day. Come on, y'all. <laughs> Click like. <laughs> But I'm gonna I'm gonna need some input from from Turf Island, please. I want to know if it is it, it really is Joanne Rowling down to eating squirrel now? Oh the uh, the uh, Harry Potter lady. Is that who you mean? Uh, yeah, that whole, the, the, the Queen Turf. Why would she eat uh, squirrel? Well, because all all of people in uh, British islands are eating squirrel now. They will eat squirrels, but still supply howitzers. 
I mean, she said that. And 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 this particular clip, we won't listen to her again. But the translation underneath says, "Today it was revealed that some restaurants in once Great Britain will be serving squirrels." Well, that's probably at some really bougie joints with white plates and tablecloths and eighteen forks and one for the squirrel brains and. <sighs> we'll be serving squirrels. Now, what sort of dipping sauce would one use for squirrel brains? Squirrel brain gravy. I already told you. Well, no, no. Because you got to have something other than just gravy. Because some people, we're, we live in a health-conscious world, Robin. Today's diet is not the way it used to be. Of course, now, if you're eating squirrel, forget what I just said. Uh, God. Is there like drippings that you mix it up? Well, that it, it, no, you de- you deglaze the pan uh, to get all the little pieces of of, of like uh, caramelized squirrel brain off the bottom of the iron skillet, and then you build your gravy around it. I mean, it's it's great. It's great. You know what? It's great with you know once you're done with that, and and then you you you, you take last night's mashed potatoes and you patty them out. And you put and you and you dust them with a little bit of flour, and you add some butter back to the pan, and you pan fry those 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 potato cakes, and alongside the, with the squirrel brain grape. Yes, yes, delicacy. All I know is I can't wait to the email skillet. It's the road we have gone down, and I think I took us there. Uh, and I apologize now. Uh, well, Darlene in Connecticut says, I have family. You know, Connecticut is a place. I just want to make sure everybody knows. I know. I have family members that love squirrels on a plate. Not my entree of choice, Darlene says, by a long shot, but it can pass for chicken thighs. Yeah, my dad played a trick on me 20 years ago. I kept questioning. This sort of tastes like dark meat chicken. I was never really the same after I found out. I know. And and then you, you, referenced, you referenced local hero, the scene with the rabbit. Oh, wait a minute. Um, refresh me, because it's been a while, a long while. You cook, Trudy! Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, now, I'm, I'm also thinking that uh, Glenn Close movie with <laughs> the boiled bunny, Jesus. No, don't ever cook. Well, okay, so apparently there's some backstory to this, as Stephen in, in New York has found out. This is from the Daily Mail in the UK. Now, that's the equivalent of the New York Post, so it looks like nothing more than a snarky see-what-the-tree-huggers-are-saying article. But the Daily Mail reporting... (sighs) Forget turnips, now eat squirrel. Restaurants are... Wait a minute. Forget turnips, now eat squirrel. Restaurants are urged to serve nutritious gray squirrel meat after call to stop the animals wreaking havoc on UK woodlands. The Exmoor Squirrel Project, seeking to eradicate gray squirrels to replace with reds, organizes red squirrels. Well, of course, it's commies. Wait a minute. What? What havoc or gray squirrels? Squirrels. I don't. I don't know. Squirrels are. Oh, okay. Gray squirrels are non-native uh, to Great Britain. And so uh, organizers are also in talks with two restaurants about serving gray squirrel dishes. Um, and they're suggesting that 
the non-native critters could be served up in stews, pies, and kebabs. Oh, yeah, British are big on meat pies. Squirrel Donner, y'all! Oh, for pity's sake. Squirrels, squirrel kebabs. <laughs> Jesus. And, of I course, but, uh, the, the, thing, the things that get people going here. Uh, Flavio says, the idea of eating a rodent is simply not appealing to me. Well, that's on you for thinking of them as rodents. Some of them see them... Uh, see them uh, gambling about on the on, on the greens and running up and down trees and think they're adorable and tasty. Well, they're, they're I don't know genus and species and stuff like that, but they're they're, they're it's like eating rabbit. There are places where out in the woods where you shoot a rabbit. What was Uncle Jed? Uh, <laughs> if I did not know this was Hassan Pfeffer, I would swear it is a carrot. <laughs> Then one day he was shooting for some food. What was he hunting for? Possum? Most likely possum. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe groundhog. The thing that got me. And up through the ground come a bubbling crude. The thing that got me about both squirrel, the one time I had it, and rabbit, and I'll get off this after (laughs) I finish with this remark because I, I'm starting to freak myself out. Was the. the lead shot that would show up occasionally in in random bites of the food. I mean, I, that didn't work for me. Like I said, some relative... Well, Bern, Bernadette said the first person that ate chicken said it tastes like Korean barbecue parad- pterodactyl. A pterodactyl. Pterodactyl, yes. Oh, look, there goes one now. Uh... <laughs> Uh, uh, well, and there's George. Uh, there goes dinner in the mountain time zone. Did you prefer red or gray? Well, this is gray squirrel, yes. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, Dave and the Blind, that movie you mentioned, it's called Tough Guys. Burt Lancaster, well, Kirk guys, Douglas, yeah. it was very funny. A really good movie with Dan... Uh, look, Also, look up the movie Diamonds. It's after Douglas... Had his stroke. Brilliant. Diamonds, like precious stones. I think so. Yes. Uh, Clarence said my favorite movies with Burt Lancaster in them: The Train and Sweet Smell of Success. Love them. Oh yes, I forgot about that one. See, we can deal with we can deal with a couple of hours of horror, and then we sort of relax and talk about eating squirrels. And Burt Burt Lancaster movies. Are there any Burt Lancaster movies where he eats squirrels? Um, I don't think so. Although, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. He was kind to little creatures, as evidenced in uh, Birdman and Pompatraz. Flavio says he's never heard the word get used for offspring. You filthy, I hadn't either. You're filthy gets. Uh, first time I've heard that exception. Well, it's a it's a fun little language. Um, <laughs> oh my God! You gotta love this. It's real, says Steve in New York. 
Um, Walker's Potato Crisps. So this is English. Oh, yeah. I've had those. Walker's Potato Crisps. A special limited edition flavor. Cajun Squirrel Flavor Potato Crisps. Vote for me. (laughs) With a picture of a little... with 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 a drawing of a little squirrel... With X's for eyes? No, it's a little squirrel peeking through, kind of <laughs> like a picket fence. This picture represents Martin from Harrisford's inspiration for his Cajun squirrel flavor. Uh, that's nuts. In 2009, Walker's announced it would begin selling Cajun squirrel flavored crisps after a competition for the public to suggest new flavors. Walker's must be owned by the same conglomerate as Lay's. It's a very similar logo. And Lay's, of course, came out with all kinds of bizarre flavors. Uh, the biscuits and gravy, the sausage biscuits and sausage gravy one wasn't squirrel gravy, but it's still, I liked those. That was back when I could eat a potato chip once in a while, and probably why I am where I am because I ate potato chips once in a while, and the whiles were rather too close together. Yes, love them chips. Uh, the the worst of that lot, by far was the Greek toothpaste? restaurant potato chips. Toothpaste and charter sauce. No, it was toothpaste and orange juice. Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> no, but the, I, love, I love Greek food. I had, oh God, I could eat my weight in Spanakopita. And nothing better than a good gyro. But those potato chips, honest to God, they, they should have built, marketed them as... Limited edition flavor, garbage, garbage striped potato chips. Oh, they were horrible. You just opened it, and the whole room just, ugh, ugh. See, there are some flavors that should be confined to the uh, substances from which they originally emanate and, and, and not foisted upon the public. To You know, the flavor of potato chips. So now, I'll tell you what did blow my mind. Uh, you know who the Jonas Brothers are? Oh, yeah. The singers? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Rob Jonas has come out with a line. I think I may have mentioned this. Come out with a line of popcorn. I bought That's the you did. Yeah. I bought one of these once, and I want them so bad. Because, first of all, there's like 15 grams of carbs in like four cups of this popcorn. So I don't feel real bad about it. But I, so they did a barbecue and they did a sweet and salty. But they—I've never seen the likes of this. And I found one bag and I bought them, and they were gone almost as soon as the bag opened. Uh, Indian spice flavored popcorn. There was there was turmeric and cardamom and nutmeg, and God alone knows what all else. Fantastic. I found them in Somersville Walmart. The Walmart in Fayetteville has yet to see them. The barbecue is awfully damn good, though. Supply Wal- chain issues. Walmart is the only place where you've seen it's them. It's the only place where I've seen them. And then I and then I found that Himalayan uh, that that Himalayan salt popcorn that was flavored with extra virgin organic coconut oil. And now I can't find them either. 
I'm kind of surprised that there are su supply chain issues at this point. I thought we were all wrapped back up. Maybe it's not universal. Maybe there's some places that are still regaining their footing or something. I don't, uh, I don't uh, have trouble getting stuff on my, uh, you know, on my Amazon order. Every now and again, there's something that's uh, going to be sold out, but usually it's back in stock, you know, before long. Well, let me go in the kitchen and open the freezer and tell you, I can't remember the exact name of it. Wow, your audio just got so much better. Okay, what did I do, I wonder? I don't know. Maybe your microphone got closer to your face. Well, I don't know. Let me waddle on in here to the kitchen. Okay, these things are called... The brand name... It looks like an, yeah, backwards E, E-V-O-L, E-V-O-L, egg and smoked Gouda served on multi-grain flatbread. Okay, that E-V-O-L is actually, I've seen that brand. It's not bad style. Yeah, they're vegetarian. That's not why I bought them. I just wanted something different, and I'll have to have one later on, and then I'll get back to you and let you know how they are. I will, I will. Ay, 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 ay. I, uh, <clears throat> I do know that I'm, I'll be more than thrilled to be over my, is my audio still good? Yeah, you're good. Okay. I will be more than thrilled when my little escapade uh, with my innards is uh, resolved. Over, yes. Yeah, I don't do illness willingly or happily. There's some people who are sufferers and, and can deal with stuff. And I know for, well, since 89, when I had my tumor removed from my pituitary, there were things, there were after effects that were chronic and continued. And there was no other way around them, but they were completely treatable. And initially, you dance with that, but then it becomes part of your daily routine, dancing with it. But when other things crop up, you know, it just that you're not used to or whatever. Um, and especially coming so quickly after the, you know, the fall that I took back in December. And I shouldn't complain. I mean, God knows, I'm the most fortunate person in this sector of the galaxy. I mean, I'll freely admit that. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of folks way off, way worse off than I am. You know, and I send out, uh, you know, positive uh, thoughts and energy and concern and do what I can when opportunities arise. Uh, I, I, you know, the thing that troubles me and has troubled me for some time is the fact that in a country that is that is as well off as we are in this country, there ought to be more unity of purpose and a more equitable arrangement for more people. There's there's no reason 
I don't know whether it was Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders the other night on one of the shows, was talking about the number of people who are still either uninsured or underinsured in this country, even after uh, 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 not Obamacare, but whatever they're calling it now. Um, what, what is the alternate name to Obamacare for the, the affordable, system? the Patient Protection oh. and Affordable Care Act? Yeah, yeah. You would think that, that there would be that we would be better off and would have moved a couple of notches down the line or up the grid in a more equitable arrangement for more people in this country. And I guess I'm living in a fucking fool's paradise, Robin, because I, I cling to that uh, illusion that, that people are actually that concerned about one another. And I'm sure there are people even on the other side who do not lack for human co compassion and, 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 and empathy for others. Not, not all of them are crazy. There are a fair number of them that are just so far off the twig the, you can't reach them, no matter what language you speak. But I would think given a, a, a chance and the proper encouragement, people could get on the same page in a positive, appropriate, workable way. I haven't beaten that drum for a while on the program, but it just I, I, it never ceases to amaze me that with, with all of the possibilities and resources available to us, that we're only doing as well as we're doing. Universally is what I mean. Well, there's there's space, Scott. There's space for some optimism. There has to be. It's a question of whether we're willing to work to make the optimism a reality, or if we're just going to hope in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up first. How much of the sticking point is the mindset of I don't want to and you can't make me? I think yeah. any time you're talking about that in the United States, um, especially certain parts of the United States, you have to factor that in as at least 50%. I think of the woman I saw in D.C. many years ago now, who was at a, a protest of the Affordable Care Act out in front of the Supreme Court. And she, on her little scooter, was driving around, waving a sign that said, Get your government hands off my Medicare. which probably provided the scooter. There's that. There's the idea that, I don't know, free market conservatism provided her Medicare. I don't know. But she sat. She obviously had sat around uh, watching Fox News and just, you know, like... like Uncle Claudius pouring the poison in King Hamlet's ear, 
just took it all in. And by God, she was mad. And she was going to get your government hands off my Medicare. Damn it. And you look at something like that and you go, ah, you know, we're fucked. We're screwed. We're all screwed, Well, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't beat that drum very often, but occasionally it's, it dawns on me that at this point I wish we were at least a little bit, a measurable bit further along on a, on a broader scale, and it just, it just troubles the hell out of me. But I don't know what to do. Well, we were supposed to... We. We the, the the you are here sign was not supposed to be here where we are. Yeah. There was supposed to be uh again helium filled pants, flying cars, <laughs> colonies on the moon and maybe even Mars. Jane, stop this thing. Jane Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and big thanks to Clarence. Clarence, thank you so much. Uh, Clarence just got us down to 735. Thank you so much, Clarence. Uh, we do 36 more dollars, and we won't have a four-digit fundraising hole tomorrow. Thank you, Clarence. Thank you so much. And let me check a couple of other emails. Um, going back earlier this evening, Kyle said, Hey, Kyle, uh, subject, Dems standing up. I'm taking a small break from politics because there's really nothing good right now about my mental health given recent events. So I have no idea what you're even talking about tonight, but it's nice to see that Dems in Missouri and Nebraska are not backing down in the face of the Nazi party trying to do legislative genocide of trans people, mostly kids in their states. Yeah. I, I get more, more of that, please. And the precise reason that I'm going to Charleston tomorrow is the Senate... The, the Senate is considering a trans medical ban for kids, and they're at least going to hear our voices shouting no. And maybe, maybe of the three or four Democrats in the West Virginia Senate out of 33 or 34, like Ron DeSantis said, whatever whatever number it is, um, maybe somebody will raise some hell. It sure would be nice. How many people are in West Virginia? Yeah, probably around 1.6 million. 1. 1.5, 1.6. 220, 225, whatever it takes. You would think that they would be... Uh... Oh, no, John in, John in Central Pennsylvania, that was not the least bit ironic, the lady with the scooter and the get-your-gun. No. Oh, no. no. No, she was deadly in earnest. I don't know. Maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's my uh, you know weakened state or something. But I get I don't like being discouraged. That's the thing. No, I don't either. It's not my natural state. I mean, yeah, we all have our moments, but it's like it just. And even if they 
bought into the very things that they claim that they believe theologically. If you listen to the like the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount, the pronouncements of Jesus, they're in red letters, so they pop right off the top. <laughs> they really do. They pop. You know, so, I mean, go thou and do likewise, you know, uh, as you've done to the least of your brethren, you've done to me. I mean, if you don't really actually believe it and take it to heart and live it as your way of being in the world, then don't claim it as your, you know, banner under which you march. Be something else. Call yourself something else because it's just, I don't. I hesitate to even bring any of it up, Robin, because it just, it's like disappointment on Christmas morning or something. Oh! Where, where, where that thing that you, your heart was set on. Every December 25th is just another day without a pony. And there's a, there's a box that is about the size of that item. That you that was at the top of your list of Santa 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 Claus, and it turns out it's not that. And it's like, oh man. And I know there's more to having positive things play out in reality. There's a lot more to it than making a list and checking it twice and all that. But it's it's not rocket science. We're not trying to send society to the moon. Although I can think of a few good people that ought to be on the next flight. Maybe not the moon. I'd send them a little further out. Which one of uh, Jupiter's uh, moons needs company? I don't know. I just no, say I get something. it. No, I no, no, I get it. I, it <laughs> Which one of Jupiter's moons needs company? <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's just it's it's ponderous, as old Casey Casey used to say. <laughs> it's ponderous, that, man. Ponderous. That in life I am this far along. Keep paying attention along the way, doing my best, trying my best, being my best, staying up on things. You know, being kind to people. But there's a lot of we could do with some kindness, just basic human kindness in this fucking country. And again, going back to the other side, and I don't want to keep making them bad and wrong, uh, even though they are. Okay. The, the, the tenets that they say that they believe in, and subscribe to, and go to church, you know, twice on Sunday, Wednesday night, and when the revival's in town. All of these things are, are, are tied in to what who they say they are and what they say they believe and what's important and valuable to them. Uh, but, but I don't see any evidence of that. I, 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 I don't see any evidence of that. And to the extent that there are people practicing a more sociable gospel, I won't even say social, a sociable gospel, okay? That, that has some relevance in the lives of people 
and make some meaningful change in their circumstances, even to the folks that say that they're up to that, not for that, sometimes they make you jump through flaming hoops before they help you in the way you most need to be helped. There's a lot of that that goes on. And, and I don't recall, I mean, and I'm not a Bible scholar, but in the case of the miracles and, and great, great wonders and signs that Jesus performed, I don't recall he, him or he or his assistants, his, his disciples standing there with a clipboard going down a checklist before the poor guy that couldn't walk or the poor guy that couldn't see got attended to. Maybe I'm not reading the right translation of the Holy Scriptures. You know, no, I, I think you're reading the right ones. It's just harder in practice, I suppose. And you, the other thing, religious organizations, you've got tremendous tax benefits being the type of organization you claim to be. It wouldn't bother me if, if, those, if those provisions were removed or revoked. Shouldn't there be some kind of checklist? You take the name of the organization, the church, the denomination or whatever, you have their standard tenets of belief, <clears throat> and at the end of the year when you're filling out your forms, if you haven't met in some measurable way the, te the very tenets of, of your belief system, then maybe you don't get the full tax ride that you got last year. Would that cause too much bookkeeping or consternation in that realm, or would it be too much like good uh, uh, record keeping? I, I don't know. I'm tossing it out there if anybody knows. Hold on a second. I got to get a drink. That's okay. Sometimes you sometimes you need one. That's right. Oh, and in the meantime, here's some here here's some news nobody wanted to read. Another at according to the L.A. Times, another atmospheric river is headed for California. Uh, it's expected to hit northern and central California late Thursday and into Friday. Southern California will get some effects too. I'll tell you that last one was quite the adventure. Well, they're saying uh, they're, Southern California will probably see some flooding. More structural damage. I can't get over Imagine this. what this would be like if climate change was real. <laughs> yeah, think of it. Get your head around that, boys and girls. I... I... Yeah. Well, I think I've talked myself into a funk and a corner, and I don't even know where to go next. Well, uh, I can. You'll enjoy this. Okay. Because it's cur You know, at the beginning of the program, some people were suggesting they wanted to see the entire. Well, they wanted to see Nitwit Nero and his all of his filthy gits, with the possible exception of Baron and Tefania. You know the three, the three, the three stooges. When you get right down to it, 
I think they'd fit right in on a in a chain gang on a country road somewhere, like uh, Cool Hand Luke, retiring the surface of some country road. And what we've got here is failure to communicate. What we've got is failure to communicate. What and, is that actor's name? Oh, uh, Strother Martin. Strother Martin. God damn, I love that show. Lawyer Daggett, Lawyer Daggett, draws that lawyer like a gun. Uh, Struther Martin, uh, Struther Martin is the reason for watching True, the, the original True Grit film. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're gonna like this. Uh, okay. The story comes from Vanity Fair. Iwanka Trump awkwardly implies her brothers and dad may have committed fraud at the Trump org. Uh, Bess Levin writing feels like this should make for a particularly uncomfortable vibe at the next family gathering. Uh, so, uh, uh, via the Independent, in court documents, Ms. Trump's attorneys argue that, wait, where's what happened to the Kushner part? Argue that the fraud complaint filed last year against her and her co-defendants, excuse me, co-defendants by New York Attorney General Letitia James, quote, does not contain a single allegation that Ms. Trump directly or indirectly created, prepared, received, or certified any of her father's financial statements. Other individuals were responsible for those tasks. And that would be um, Nitwit Jr. and Eric the Dumber. Under the bus, you two! Daddy likes me best! He never, he never wants you to sit on his lap, only me! Yes. Yeah, I like to sit on his lap and pretend. Yeah, next to the concrete parrots fucking. <laughs> God, that picture is seared into my brain, and I, I, you have no idea how much I wish it wasn't. Well, Scott, I hope you get to feeling better. Well, I hope so, too, Roman. And uh, let me ask you this. I meant to ask you this earlier before I go. You were talking about the... Uh, now, where are they... It, no. Your electricity company, do they do gas and electric or just electric? Just electric. What do they charge you? Clean, coal-fried electricity. What do they charge per kilowatt hour up there? I think they determine, you know, it's like bra sizes. They're, 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 they're determined with Ouija boards and magic eight balls. Okay, I wanted to, if you knew offhand, I was going to look at my bill. I have no. I know. I know what. I know what's happening here. We've just, you know, oh God, it was fifteen or probably more. Yeah, fifteen years ago that the furnace died, and so um, that was not that was not optimum because that was a that was a heat pump. We've been over this, not you and me, but that was a heat pump. And so every time the temperature dropped below thirty six degrees, that coil came on, and basically you was, we were heating the house. Ha- a house with a fan and a toaster coil. Yeah. And that made the that made the electric meter spin like a carnival pinwheel. I'm sure. But it does so even more now because we've got we've got electric space heaters in every room that all draw 1500, 1500 volts. And that's the most inefficient uh, heating that there is. Oh, it's terrible. And while the winter has not been particularly snowy, it has been particularly cold. 
I mean, we had that cold snap. Everybody else had it, too, but that cold snap around Christmas. Christmas was ruined here. I mean, it was just ruined because we were all like, I don't know, we were all like alligators in a deep freeze. You know, we were were just, you know, saurians and (laughs) moving very slowly, and we were very cold and cranky. (laughs) You know. Oh, now you got me thinking about Sarah Hustlebuck sandbags again, her gimlet eye, that baleful eye. The eye, the eye. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure she has an uncredited role in the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies. She's the eye. God damn, that woman's to the right of Sauron's. Sorry, don't know how we got there, but we are. So, but but you don't know offhand. But no, I, I don't I don't know because they say it and I pay it. That's all there is to it. And yeah, well, the re- last the month I, I paid him a thousand bucks, and then I got the bill. And it's like, oh, we want another thousand. You fuckers! The reason I brought it up, I don't know if you have a utilities commission on the state level. Oh, we do. They're a wholly owned subsidiary of Appalachian Power. Oh well, you're screwed six ways from Sunday then. We used to have at least a fairy godmother department here who would uh, screw up and do the right thing for people once in a while, but no, they took her out back and. Well, they sent her to a, they, they sent her to live on a farm in upstate where she can run and play whenever she wants to. <sighs> Does seem right. But all of it, you know, Wal- I, there, I got a story here. Walmart is pulling entirely out of Portland, Oregon. I'm sure Theo could be of help. And and then so Greg Asbot, the governor of Texas, see that's what happens when you commie when when you commie pinkos don't enforce the rule of law. We hang we hang shoplifters in Texas. Now Greg Asbot's not the smartest guy in the world. So uh, Walmart is pulling out of Portland, Oregon due to shoplifting. Uh, it, it, Walmart themselves hadn't said hasn't said there's in any particular. Uh, any particular cause, but, uh, but, well, the fact, but yeah, they're, they've got two stores left in Portland and they're gone. You know, I can see where maybe a, a corporation as awful and hateful as Walmart might not get, might, might not be a real success in a place like Portland. No, wait a minute. They don't mean to say that the Portlanders, the Oregonians, are not into low prices every day. That's the Walmart way. Is this what they're trying to convince us of? Because I, I, I thought. Well, you know, it's place. funny. I, I was I was at my local Walmart yesterday, and I noticed that they had apparently sandblasted off their old motto on their store in Fayetteville. Now, do they still have the little logo thing that looks like a stylized butthole <laughs> next to the name of it? That, I I haven't paid attention, but I did notice yesterday that those great big six foot tall letters across the the, the side of the store painted a, "We sell for less." They, they sandblasted that shit away. Oh yeah, that went the way of things. Of that, the, that went the way of uh, buy American first back when that was a thing. But Greg Aspot, the governor of Texas, is not the smartest man. He is not the sharpest knife in the chandelier. And so he took to grunting about, uh, uh, this is what happens when cities refuse to enforce the rule of law. So Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler immediately came back at him and said, um, 
Governor Abbott, are the dozens of Walmart stores that have closed in Texas in recent years all communities that refuse to enforce the rule of law? The real retail industry is changing, and retail theft is a national issue. And he's not lying. They're complaining about roving gangs of thieves who are coming through and, like, wiping out the cosmetics department. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. Um, but the other part of it is if you want your groceries or goods, whatever they are, to be accurately sold, then maybe it would be a good thing to have a store employee checking people out. Well, that's the way it used to be done. <laughs> right. So now, yeah, now, now, you know, the, they, they've got scanners set up and you check yourself out and there's cameras on you and everything, but, you know, People do steal, and and people do mistake make mistakes. How much do pennies need to be pinched in that company? There, well, there's there a lot of Walmart heirs, Scott. Well, I'm sorry. But the fact of the matter is, as Stephen New York points out, yeah, New York City, Walmart, nope, not here. We didn't want them and kept them out. It's, uh, I mean, it's not a nice place to shop. Make no mistake. I mean, think the last time I was in one. Some, the, 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 the workers tend to be nice, but there's, such, there's just such a hateful vibe about the place. Nobody's smiling, nobody's laughing. Everybody's just grimly going about the business of having to be at Walmart because you have to be at Walmart. They still have the uh, smiley faces. Oh no, they took no. <laughs> they sent the smiley face to a farm in the upstate too, where it can laugh and play and run and be free all the time, Timmy. I need to go to Walmart again just to see what I'm missing. It's, not, it's going to be like something out of. Uh, what was that movie that Harrison Ford was in where it's always raining and they're flying around? And <laughs> that movie Harrison Ford was in where it's always raining. Yes, uh, that that would be, was that the Mosquito Coast? No, that would be Blade Runner. Blade Runner, yeah. yeah. This is, and know. all those memories will disappear like tears in rain, which I think is one of the most poignant lines in any movie ever. You get off the bus on the corner where the Walmart is nearest here, and I'll see a lot of fucking dark, hovering vehicles floating in the front lot. Jesus, what the hell is going on? Well, you get better first, okay? Then go to Walmart. Because right now it's liable to agitate your fragile innards. Well, yeah, I'm not going to go right away. But one one always needs something to look forward to, Robin. That's the deal. So, well, as you travel, uh, you said it's not tomorrow, Thursday, that you're going on the long-distance trip. It's the following Thursday, right? Um, well, tomorrow I'm going to Charleston. Yeah, but that's not, uh, that's not me. Me leaving on lo- uh, the longer journey is actually the 24th of March, and that's a Friday. Oh, okay. And I will be gone from the 24th, probably to um, probably back for Friday, either Florida th- inside Thursday, the 30th, or Friday on the front porch, depending on how much how much luck I'm having. Um. Working, working the halls of Congress. 
and I'm already packing. Packing is entirely different now. Now, remember what you said you were going to do when you go to D.C. next time? Oh, yes, I have to get a burger. Ollie's Trolley. Ollie's Trolley, yes. It's on the list. Double check and make sure it's still there. Um, I think it's on E Street, like 9th and E, 10th and E, something like that. No, it's still there. I'm I'm going to – right now I'm trying to find a hotel I can afford to stay in. See, that would fix me right up. I mean, it, it drives me bananas. I, I guess this is just because I'm a you know member of the lumpen proletariat. But good God, dropping six hundred dollars, six more than per night in a hotel room that I'm not going to even really spend any time in except sleeping. Jesus. Where, where, what type of place you? Don't you stay out in the birds like? That's usually what I wind up doing. I'm trying not to stay in Manassas because that becomes even more expensive to schlep into D.C., do the commute, all of that stuff. I'm trying to get close enough that I can just jump on at a metro station and be there. But it would be nice to actually just be in D.C. and walk around the corner and done. There used to be a hotel. But you can't get a room inside D.C. for under 300 bucks. Oh, no, even something. There used to be a hotel called the Hotel Harrington at, like, uh, 10th and E, something like that. And it was not it was not a, you know, five-star establishment. As a matter of fact, now that I think about it, it may have been like a reti- partially a retirement sort of hotel for older pensioners. But they had a cafeteria downstairs. As a matter of fact, do you remember the movie The Last Detail with Jack Nicholson and uh, one of the Quay brothers? They're Navy guys who are on shore patrol and they're... The Last Detail? Yeah. I believe part of that was filmed at the Hotel Harrington in Washington. Somebody can check that and let me know. But uh, yeah, the Hotel Harrington was quite... To place, but even a place, an old hotel that's clean, well run, but not fancy, would be your best bet. But I doubt that those even exist anymore in the heart of the city. Well, I mean, the Willard still. No, there's plenty of nice places to stay, but again, crazy, crazy amounts of uh, you know dollars, and I just no. Are you like in AAA or any? Oh, I'll, group? well, I mean, I've got, I've got, uh, I'm a Choice Hotels Rewards member, so you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, Hotels.com, AllBooking.com, Travelocity, all of those things, but not a lot of money to be saved. So I'll, I'll find some Choice Hotel and at least get some points for that. Anyway, I'm going to roll here and get a couple of more calls in before I'm done. Okay, Robin, take care, and Horn family, you take care as well. Uh, this has been like a tonic for me. I'm actually feeling much better. I'm glad. you've said, That's happened a couple of times, and I'm glad we can, you know, lift your spirits, perk you up. It's kind of, it's, you know, kind of the purpose here. This community right. is wonderful in the way that it will, it'll, it'll, it'll reach out and help. You know, we, we keep, we keep it, we, we try to keep each other sane. Well, let's not go too far with me. I mean, come on. But I do appreciate it. Any improvement is, is uh, it registers nicely, and I appreciate that. 
Well, you are you, you are much you are much valued in this community, and Thank people and people I know people love your people love your your thoughts and your comments. And... Well, I do appreciate that. That's for sure. All right, Scott, but you hey, take care. All righty, you too, and uh, I will stay tuned for what's next. All right, we're going to see who's on the stress line. Okay, see you. See you, Scott. And so over to the stress line. By the way, um. Let's see. We are down to what was it, 7:35. So we could scrounge up 36 more bucks. We won't have a uh, four-digit fundraising hole tomorrow. Um, oh, on the subject of the Walmart stores, and I am going back to the phones. Theo out in Portland, whom I conjured, said, "Gods, I'm reduced to commenting on Walmart. Walmart." The Walmart stores being closed are the last two within Portland city limits. One's so gigantic there should ha- they should have Uber drivers assigned to each department so no one dies of old age reaching the right aisle. Not a fun place to shop or even to exist. Don't think I've been in, ever been in the other. Not exactly a heartbreaking thought. But there are a number of other Walmarts in the immediate region. Yeah. It, and... Uh, uh, by the way, thank you for that. Um, another email coming in from our friend Walker. Walmart operates 45 stores in Oregon, including about a dozen within the Portland metro area, but outside the city limits, and the company said no other closures are planned. Walmart makes economic decisions, not ideological ones, for the most part. For the most part. But the fact that Ted Wheeler, who once identified as a Republican but now identifies as a Democrat, uh, busted Governor Abbott's chops, uh, made me happy. Um, uh, Randy Radar says, I'm a fan of my local grocery store. You pay slightly marked up prices online, but if you're able to pick up your grocery order delivered free to your car in their parking lot, no delivery fee, no tip. Um, yeah, I love my wiggling pig up here. The prices are higher for some things, but the meat case is much nicer, and I know the people cutting the meat. The deli, I love the ladies in the deli. We laugh and carry on. Um, a few Sundays back, I broke her up because I, she said, well, do you want to, we got chicken and dumplings, homemade chicken and dumplings today. I said, oh. She said, well, you want to try them? I said, well, only if you don't mind me crushing and snorting three Met Foremans off the, you know, off the deli case here. And she about came unglued. And the chicken, and I did, I tasted them. Hit them with, uh, hit them with some black pepper. And, oh, God. Almost as good as squirrel brains. You knew I was coming back around to that, right? Jude says, Theo, great humor in your writings. Thank you, Jude. And you're right. Um. Theo uh, messaged earlier saying, I'll admit to worrying for you you because of the power outage yesterday. It's brave and honorable of you to take the stances and actions which you do, and I can't see you being satisfied doing less. And I said, no, I can't. I'd, I'd love to, you know, I don't know how not to care about things. And I never have. Um... Jude adds, um, 
that she's worried. She hasn't been able to reach our dear friend Juanita for over two weeks. Saying, uh, two souls on International Women's Day, former First Lady Rosalind Carter and our own Juanita, both have shared in lifting our moral and spiritual critical mass by their commitment to service. I started my day by sending out into the ever-evolving universe your name, Robin, and Darlene's, as I sensed it yesterday, for a purpose. Thank you, Jude. Thank you. I love the fact that part of our buddy Steve in New York's signature line includes, Stop using and or. <laughs> no, that's not bad, but Crystal City's a pain in the ass. That's not that bad. Yeah, I'll look around. Probably find something in the in the Choice Hotels chain just because, again, points. Um, oh, that sounds good. I've had that stuff. Randy Radar suggesting uh, Bragg's amino acids like it's like a soy sauce. No, that stuff is good. They also do an unfiltered, unpasteurized cider vinegar that I just love. I think that's Bragg's, too. Okay, anyway, over to the stress line. Hey, welcome to the program. Hey, I, I was like, I was going to hang up. I'm like, did, he, did she forget for, that I was sitting here? Well, no. Like, I, what did I do? No, the, the, the stress line sits here, and the, screen, and the screen goes dark, and I forget that there's somebody on there, but I was trying to be especially mindful because, you know, I try, I don't like just, you know, and then I feel like an idiot. Hey. Hey, girl, hey. Hey, girl, hey. I'm sitting here trying to get home. I, wa- I, I witnessed some road rage today, and now I'm looking over. I'm on the 405 North, and I'm looking over to the 405 South. And it looks like there's a, a big rig that, um, I don't know, it's a whole lot of smoke coming from the truck, but it's not coming from the uh, the pipe, so that's alarming. But, you know, so apparently this afternoon, when I was doing the school run, I was listening to you and Scott talk about squirrel meat, which was disconcerting. Um, and so there was a, a Mercedes SUV that was trying to cut me off, and of course, being me, I just, I wouldn't let them over. And so then they went around me and almost sideswiped another car. The next thing, uh, one of those, uh, you know, Sprinter trucks or bus, whatever the hell they are. Yeah, and next thing I know, the Sprinter vans, thank you. Whoever, whoever was on the passenger side of uh, the Sprinter van threw something at the other, at the Mercedes, <laughs> out the window, hit the Mercedes, and then the Mercedes made a, a quick right turn came back around and started checking. I'm just sitting there like, just don't start shooting. Because that's a real thing. And it the things that I have to think about, it, it, you know, the, the things that I have to take, take into consideration when I'm working, and like right now, I'm not understanding why it's not even, it's just a little bit after five and I am literally going five miles an hour. Oh joy. Five. <laughs> Actually, yeah, about five because 
there's no, there, you know how there's really, when you're in a certain amount of traffic, there's just really no point in putting your foot on the gas because, you know, if you're, if there's enough of an incline or decline, um, then you could just literally just coast and just let your car roll. So that's where we are now. I'm not even putting my foot on the gas. I'm just coasting in in a in a effort <laughs> to get home. So anyway, enough of that. So yesterday we so you guys all know I'm in grad school, you know, I'm getting my master's in the first community development leadership and all. But any year each week we don't, don't be planning to look for no diversity jobs. Don't be planning to look for no diversity jobs in Florida. Just, don't. Oh damn! For real? This? No way! Sorry, Florida's out. Okay. I will. I. I will not step foot my happy black ass in Florida. I would. I wouldn't kiss on Florida if it's on fire. Yeah, I said it. So each week. Because uh, we have our readings, and each week um, there's a group that has to do a presentation. So yesterday was my group's presentation, and the book that we were discussing was South Central Dreams, and I took umbrage to the book because I told my professor, how is it that they're talking about South Central Dreams and, real- and new realities, and they don't really talk about the black people who forged their way, who forged the way for the Central Americans and Mexican Americans, Mexicans and everybody else to come into our communities and and you not and um, move in. We we're not discussing the displacement of Black people. You know, the, not only are we dealing with the displacement and the shrinking uh, and of our or what was once Black spaces, but now we're dealing with gentrification as well. Where are those voices? And so my, I said, I would like to present that. I would like to talk about what South Central means to me and what it looked like before the um, government allowed to, was allowed to pump drugs into my community and uh, all that sort of stuff. So I went on to Mr. Google because I wanted to find um, images of South Central LA back in the 60s and 70s and, you know, pretty much the early 80s before, again, not only the crack cocaine epidemic, but the deindustrialization and the disinvestment in my community. Robin, I couldn't find any, I could not find any positive images on Mr. Google. When I put in, you know, everything that's I saw that's was. Isn't it distressing? I was, I was, I was so upset. And I just like, because, you know, the, the South Central that I grew up, all down Central Avenue and, the, you know, very, all the, it was black owned businesses and, you know, all sorts of stuff. Uh, black, uh, black beauty shops, black grocery stores. And it was just, you know, not that there wasn't issues because, of course, we, we were forced to live in these neighborhoods because of redlining and segregation and all that. But it was still a beautiful community. So I took a different tack. I told my professor, just sit back and, you know, let me do this. And, you know, being a certain age, I think I, I do scare my professors. 
and I'm and I'm going to own that, and I'm and I'm going to take advantage of it. So anyway, so what my take was, so what I did, I went, I called my relatives and told them to text me pictures of if they had it of what the neighborhood used to look like, and then I actually found, and I'll send you the pictures you're going to screen. Of I found pictures of me. You know, like in when I was a baby, and when I was, you know, you know, you know, in kindergarten and stuff like that. And I found pictures of my grandparent, of my grandmother, my grandfather, great grandmother, great grandfather, great great grandmother. And I did find pictures of some of the structures and the way the street used to look like. And this is what I and so I talked about what South Central was to me. I talked about how, you know, when you think of, you know, like my grandparents who went to school, high school in the 40s, and the two hangout places that they, one was Bill's Tacos, and the other one was um, uh, the Snack Shack, which has the greatest, they had these chili cheeseburgers, Robin, and they had this hot relish that they used. Oh, my God. This is on purpose. This is on purpose. It's it, you, you know, I mean, it's 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 a little after five for you, but this is night. Right. Sna- this is night snack time for me. Right. And so and I, don't ha- I don't have any options that are even close to any of that. Right. And so these places are still in business, Robin. Actually. Wow. Some 80, literally eighty years later. Literally 80 years later, and I have pictures of my grand of Jefferson High School, where my grandparents met and courted, and they and so I talked about how they hung out. Oh damn! You know when they were teenagers, I talked about Central Avenue jazz scene. You know, I talked about South Central, and I said this is what South Central is. And I again pictures of my family. I talked about because like when my grandparents and my great grandmother would have parties. They would have, are you ready, professional photographer at the party taking pictures oh, yeah, party of pics. the people at the yeah. party, you know? And so I said, but see, you don't see these images through the media. The only images you see are blight and urban decay. And, you know, and now, you know, especially now with the, uh, 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 you know, vacant lots. And the homeless tents and all these things that play into the media's narrative, the the, the mainstream media, the bottom line, the white people's media idea of what South Central is. And so I had to show people what it looked like. I had a picture of me when I was five years old next to my dad. I have my prom picture in front of my friend's house as we're getting ready to go to the prom. The thing, you know, the things that people don't think happen in South Central LA, that they act as though the only their thing that's there is crack, you know, crack cocaine and drive-by and all of that. And so, as I, and so, but then I also, I said, now I will do a smattering from the reading, and um, which was chapter six about where do we go from here, about, you know, the Afro-Latinx, you know, intervisions. And I discussed 
how, you know, before that horrible tape was released, there have been coalitions between, you know, and the tensions have started easing between black and brown residents in South L.A. and that there have been coalitions and community and whatnot and so forth. And then, of course, that tape was released and all those fears came bundling up of the displacement of black people. And, and you know, we've gone from a few, you know, um, Spanish-speaking people and they go to the PTA meeting and there's a translator, but to now that the entire PTA meeting, Robin, literally is in Spanish and they have to have somebody speaking English for the black parents. How do you think that makes people feel? Wow. And so my conclusion, yes, that South LA is now like two thirds Latinx. And that's in, and when I say South LA, I'm also including uh, Watts and Compton as well. And that's inclusive because, uh, you know, Watts and Compton are two, you know, people don't realize. South LA, Watts is that part of South, is when, when you talk about South LA, the actual area of South Los Angeles, a whole different thing. Watts and Compton are not part of South LA. But of course, people lump them all together because South LA is indicative to, you know, that's code for black people. Like thug is code for black men when you can't use the N word as much as you want to. And so we, you know, so it's used interchangeably, but that's not the case. But I am for this, this conversation, including Watts and Compton as well. And so, so how, and I said we need to have these these tough conversations, and not. And I likened it to when people talk about the human rights abuses that's happening in Israel because with, against the Palestinians. Just because we bring that up does not mean we're anti-Semitic, and have these conversations. So when I ha- what I talk about as a black person being ever so slightly upset and, and resentful. I'm not being xenophobic. I just want people to acknowledge what is happening within our community. And an acknowledgement that if it wasn't for black people, civil rights and a lot of stuff that, you know, because civil rights, even though it was the majority of black people who fought and we were fighting for our rights, we knew that if we got these rights, it wasn't just, okay, only civil rights are only for the black people. No, because when those laws were passed, it was including everybody. And so when you think about that, so what I, I said, because had there not been a Tom Bradley, we would not be, there would not have ever been an Antonio Villaraigosa. And these are the things. So how I ended um, my presentation you know, did you you remember the movie Devil in the Blue Dress? Oh yes. So there's that there's a final scene. You know, after everything is calmed down, Denzel Washington is sitting on the porch with one of his friends, and they get to talking. And then he this is and there's an incident, and so he goes off to chase this guy, the one that was going around cutting down trees. But then they do a panning shot of um, him standing in like kind of the middle of the street and looking around. 
and you see all these beautiful black people, you know, just being, you know, people, you know, they're, they're, they're washing their cars, mowing their lawns. The kids are playing, you know, hopscotch, jump rope, you know, riding their bike, and people are being neighborly. That's what South Central was to me. And I said, this is, this is what my grandparents moved from and my great-grandparents moved from the South to do. I said, and this is how my my parents, and for the most part, I grew up in, until all hell broke loose. Until, again, so this is South Central. This is what I want people to, when they think of South Central, this is what I want people to think of what South Central is. And I'm kind of, I got a little emotional, and of course, a couple of my other classmates got emotional too, because especially one of the girls was saying how when I said about looking for positive images online for South LA, it made her think about looking. So she Googled, you know, images for Procoima, because that's where she, where she currently lives. And the same thing, sis, she couldn't find any positive images about Procoima on Google. You don't think that's by design, do you? I kind of do. <laughs> okay. And so, but the bottom line is my life is, 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 uh, is at ever evolving, but in my purpose. But one of my purposes that I'm learning is to change the narrative. Force, the force, force, forcefully, change the narrative because it is not always what it seems to be. And I'm tired of people from the outside and even black people that are like, you know, I think this is the final season of Snowfall and it's a series that was on FX, which is basically kind of the low key story of Freeway Ricky Ross, who's one of the biggest drug dealers in LA, crack cocaine. And it's like, why are we constantly telling these stories? It's like TV shows like The Wire, same thing. Why is it that when you think of black neighborhoods or black storytelling, it is always on the negative? And then when you do get positive shows about black people, they may last a season, if they're lucky, maybe two. It's like, you know, when they did the re, you know, the reimagining of the Wonder of the Years through a black lens. Now, it's supposed to be, I think it's coming back sometime in the spring or maybe in the summer. But what happens when you start telling stories through the lens of the people and actually have black writers and, and black people behind the camera as, as in addition to being in front of the camera. But you don't want people, it's like right up there with teaching black studies or just, I don't know, just fucking teaching history the way, as it really happened and including, you know, the genocide of one people and the enslavement of the other, which built this country, which the wealth of this country was built on. Like I said, I'm driving right now through the Sepulveda Pass, and I'm looking at the hills, and I'm thinking about 
the, the indigenous people who were here. And so, like, right here, like, out here in California, we do, whenever we have, um, like, you know, um, ceremonies or programs or what have you, we start with a land, we always start with a land acknowledgement to acknowledge, you know, the people who land we was, that we are on that was stolen from them. And my question is, fucking acknowledgement, I want my money. I want the wealth that was stolen from my people. That's what I want. How about that? But anyway, I digress. But bottom line, so long story short, my my party because it was a group presentation and I ended. And my my professor and the rest of my cohort members said that I did an amazing job and that I highlighted so many that they saw that. They never, until they saw I did my presentation, they thought they, they had a new appreciation and understanding about how black people are feeling about the displacement of us and the erasure of our spaces and our culture. I said, and I said, because it's about the storytelling and storytelling is so important. It's like where you live. You tell the stories of what your, what your community went through the coal miners and how they died digging up that black gunk out of the ground and have nothing to show and then they're just leveling your your mountains and you show pictures of what it looked like before and understanding you know what you know mountain uh, mountaintop removal and coal mining has not only done to the environment but has done to your communities as well but you don't hear these stories enough so, to me, you know, we need to tell our story, and not only tell them, but make sure other people hear them. That's just my thought. You know, what are your thoughts? And I know I was rambling because you know I go on tangents. Uh, Shut up. No, no, you're no, you're not rambling at all. It, it, maintain, maintaining our history is well, it's inextricably linked to maintaining our future. All we have is the present. Right. But if people, you know, if you don't know where you are, you don't know where you're going. Right. And so, and so oh, people, spe- like, and, and speaking, you know. Speaking of which, because I am, oh. because I am, I am, you know. You're you way know, over. Because, no, I'm blonde. Uh, no, really? Did you, have you seen the, the first episode of the new season of Perry Mason? No, not yet. I, did that start on Sunday? Monday. My, oh yeah, I was in. I was feverishly finishing up my project. Well, it's there and it's so, waiting for you. I, it, by the way, and I've got a couple of questions. What is that? What is that noise on your line? That that high pitched squeal. It's probably just the wind or the back here. Yeah, because I got my windows rolled up, so I don't. Is this, is it gone now? It's like, it's like the sound when. A, it's like the sound when a hearing aid starts whistling. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I have no idea because I I don't have. I don't, my air conditioner's not on. My windows are rolled. Well, I have. No, I have it, no idea. It, it the radio's just, it, not it, on. It may just be your Bluetooth. It might be my Bluetooth. It better not be the motherfuckers. See the bowls. God damn it! Yeah, I just 
I just did a project placement. Better not be my fucking Bluetooth. What? It's weird. It, yeah. it, 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 it starts up and then it lets up and then it comes back. I don't know. Well, I'm sorry. Maybe, I'm sorry you're creeping along at a snail's maybe. pace. Oh, it's, you know what? It's, it's, it, oh, wait, no. Now I'm going 15 miles an hour. Oh, well. Oh, no, I'm back to, nope. <laughs> no, I'm not. Back to five miles an hour. I will, I, if I get home by six o'clock, I will be shocked. And I'm I'm literally like maybe five miles, maybe eight miles away from my house. Damn. <laughs> so this, these are the things. If you ever come out here to visit, I just you know just make sure when we go anywhere, you I got, have yeah, a I got really it, good book. Yeah, got to experience crawling on the four hundred five. You got to you know you have not lived until you've experienced. Crawling. Because see, I remember it's 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 one oh, you know everybody hears about LA traffic and you know it slows down, but I remember uh, the one time I flew into SFO, the ride from uh, from the airport to downtown was like a racetrack, and it was like mid afternoon. Oh yeah. And in fact, at the beginning yeah, of the program, but... I was referencing you know driving through Nashville and trying not to speed. Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. Nash Vegas, and try not to speed, and, you know, six lanes either side of the highway, and everybody's doing 85 miles an hour, at least, you know, until well, they're not. typically, if there's no traffic, until they're not. But see, typically here in L.A., that's the, that's the average speed, 80, 85 miles an hour, when you can. The, the problem starts... When there's traffic like this, and there's I might a, a, a small let up, and then the assholes who are trying to drive 85 miles an hour in this traffic, and they're weaving in and out of traffic, and they're the ones that cause the you know they they're 10 miles down the road after causing a 12 mile pileup, you know so because L.A. and uh, like you said. There, there's supposed to be another storm, and um, I'm just finally today was the, like right now was the first time in weeks that I actually see something. I was like I looked at the thermometer in my car, and it, it, you know it's not as accurate as it could be. But right now, well, it was I was excited because it was up to 60 degrees. I haven't seen a six. And and I know people who are in other parts of the country, and even Bernadette, if she's still listening, it's like, fuck you, bitch. That's that's our, you know, her go-to when I say stuff, and her response is, fuck you, bitch. And we count <laughs> throughout the day the, the conversation, because we'll, I'll say something, and she's like, fuck you, bitch. And I'm like, okay. She's like, and see, that's not your first fuck you, bitch of the day. <laughs> so that that you know, so I'm pretty sure it's, when I said it's 60 degrees right now, she's sitting there listening to the show, and I and she just screamed at the at the state at the computer, fucking bitch. bitch. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Jude oh, wants you. To, Jude wants you to know. Um, wants to say thank you to you, uh, Tracy, closing out International Women's Day with her story. Thank her for me. You too, Robin, for the names of women you voiced earlier. We are a mystery 
Jude, Jude is Jude is a darling. But I am going to get out of yes, here. Yes, she is. I, I am going to get out of here. Yes, uh, you are. Because, well, I'm still I'm still down by two and a half hours from having missed yesterday. Thank you, Appalachian Power. Son of a bitch. And, and by the way, and you know, yeah, you know, I, I think you know Scott was asking you about uh, you know help. And this is what happens when you don't live in civilization because I promise you, Robin, like, especially like during, in the height of COVID and when everybody was at home and our light bills were like literally in the thousands, I got released. They had, they had the money, the state of California got the money and they paid, you know, my pass through light bills and gas bills. Yes, they did. Well, I, 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 live in what is now, I live in what is now a Republican paradise, so here we are. Right. Oh, and, and thanks to an anonymous and it's ridiculous. But anyway, my, thanks oh, to an anonymous oh, friend who jumped in and helped out with fundraising, got us down to uh, six hundred and thirty-five dollars, which means we won't have a four-digit fundraising goal tomorrow. And said, "Just because you're you, thank you, thank you so much." Oh. Huh? I know. See that? See that's what I'm talking. Just because you are you, this is this is why you know because we love you, and you take so many things with you know so many hits with a team by listening to all that right wing bullshit and all the stuff that you listen to to disseminate it to us, and we appreciate it you know. And for those of you who are in the position to help Miss Robin out, please do five dollars here, ten dollars there. You know, it adds up, y'all. It adds up. Yeah, and I really hope I can. I, said, I, hope, I, I hope we can get things taken care of to the point that I can be gone away from the microphone for two or three days at the end of this month and not be halfway freaked out. So, because I can't take the rig with me. Nobody should live that way. I can't take no. the rig with me. But I just want to. Well, one well, last, one last, little, one, one last little fact to share with you. Uh, a new USA Today okay. Ipsos poll has found that 56 percent of so go ahead. yeah I know but you want you want this poll 56 percent of the people okay. surveyed say that the the term woke means to be informed educated on and aware of social injustices a third of Republicans nice. agree with that statement a third of Republicans they were. Like, well, that's what Scott said earlier. Yeah, and I do listen to you, Scott. I don't turn off the radio when you come on. <laughs> I love you, Scott. Uh, Bernadette, say but that's it. What he was say saying. it, Bernadette. <laughs> Text her with it later. <laughs> uh, you have a lovely oh, evening. But you can, tonight, babe, my love, and we'll talk soon. Okay, see ya. Bye. Fuck you, bitch. Shut up. <laughs> Get out. Quit it. And uh, let me just check here. Okay. Um, somebody else had called in, and but hopefully we'll pick that up tomorrow. I got a clip for tomorrow. And again, as far as tomorrow is concerned, remember, I have to be at the Capitol at 2. I'm going to try to be out of there by 3.30, 4 at the latest. Should be able to get here in time to get behind the microphone. I hope. I really want to be here 
I wanted to be here last night. Damn it. Appalachian Power had other ideas. Thanks, everybody. Um, thanks so very much. Thank you to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thank you so much. Thank you to each and every one of you who make up this astonishing, amazing, wonderful little community and share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thank you. Thank you to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you to Steve and Roger in the chat room. I, I know you had a long day, Steve. I hope you're feeling better. Thank you to our news ninjas. Hey, Gene. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, like and subscribe. Make make a Brother Deacon smile. Like and subscribe and leave a comment. Like the player on TuneIn, all of those things. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people. I know the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia and a proud union shop. Got a union story for tomorrow that's just awesome. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Get your flu shot. Wipe down your surfaces. We're not done with the viral season yet. We never really are. Wear your mask, especially if you're around the maggots. They're a dirty lot. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, carry it with you, pocket and purse. I've got a little bottle with Baby Yoda on it, and it just makes me feel good to look at it. We started watching The Mandalorian, by the way, again, the new one. Maintain your social distance 15 to 20 feet, like Paul from Parts Unknown says. And, of course... (laughs) If uh, if some guy comes rolling towards you down the sidewalk saying they're closing the WalMarts in Portland because they won't they won't enforce the rule of law and they don't hang shoplifters like we do in Texas, avoid that ass bot like the plague because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Later. <laughs>